Tommy standing by for a little Sports Fix Tuesday, and then Cooley will have his offensive film breakdown. So a busy Tuesday uh, program here on the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast with friends. Actually, that'd be a nice name to the podcast. Before we get started, Visa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities, whether they're our corner stores or coffee spots or our favorite shops. Local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders. They call us by name. Always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile to support us and our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So now it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. You don't want it, you don't need it, but you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. A Sports Fix Tuesday with Tommy uh, from the Fortress of Solitude in Frederick. Cooley will join us a little bit later on with his offensive film breakdown, and we will try to motor through it. Um, I'm hearing uh, lots of feedback. Tommy, you know, when you do a lot of stuff like you do and I've been doing, you get a lot of feedback, don't you? A lot of experts out there, a lot of people that want to produce shows for you and edit columns for you. Um, and, and a lot of it, in all honesty, is very much appreciated. And in fact, just so everybody knows, those that have recommended cl- recommended clean feed instead of Zoom, we are going to try that next. Zoom's been inconsistent, Tommy. I actually think you on the phone's been better than you on Zoom, but we're going to try clean feed. Um, and several, um, getting to the point that I was going to make, several people have said, look, uh, there's nothing better than Tommy and Cooley combined on one show, but we got to shorten it up a little bit. Two and a half hours is a long show, and I will concede that point. Two and a half points of a pod, two and a half hours, Tommy, of a podcast is like a four-hour radio show. You know, with it when you consider all the spots. But yes. anyway, good day to you. You're a little um, perturbed with me um, this morning, aren't you? Well, I asked you again. Uh, if you read my column about the uh, Washington football game on Sunday, mm-hmm. and and you gave me this song and dance that you couldn't read it because <laughs> it wouldn't let you to because you had to pay for it. If you if you had waited and written this column on October first, I'd be clear. But I have already used up all of my Washington Times free columns and stories, all on your columns, by the way, except for that one time they, that I made the mistake between your column and Matt Paris's uh, story. Um, and I could, first of all, you didn't believe me. Okay, let's start there. You didn't believe me that I had to pay for it, so I had to take a picture of the pop-up you know, annual digital subscription page that says you've already reached your limit. Um, and uh, don't, don't send it to me. Fine, I believe you. But you really didn't believe me until I sent the picture. And now you do believe me. And yes, it's very inexpensive. And the- Yes, I mean, you can afford this. It's not that, and, and I might want to point out, in your business... It's tax deductible. And yeah. listen, tax tax deductions are all the rage right now, buddy. They are. They are yes, all the rage are. today. Uh, are you looking forward to tonight? Now, you, you know, I don't like the debates anyway. I never watched any of the Democratic debates this year uh, because they're all train wrecks. I mean, it's not what debates used to be. Nobody is actually trying to find out something 
to learn about each candidate, to basically try and to, you know, catch the other candidates in their gotcha moment for the sound bites. And tonight in particular, look, everybody, I assume, has pretty much made up their mind about what they're going to do on November 3rd at this point. You think so? I don't, un- I don't understand, uh, at least on particular on Biden's side, you're not going to change anybody's view. You might change some views on the other side. But, I mean, at this point, I think people are committed. I think the only reason to watch is for the train wreck. And I'll watch it because, you know, because I will, but I'm not looking forward to it. What I think is, what I think would be one of the things that could have, you know, I've predicted a fist fight on stage. I did that a couple of weeks ago uh, on the podcast. And I still think that's possible if, if Trump does that little circle and around the back routine that he did, that, that he, he did, did with Hillary. Hillary. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she, she should have turned around and slapped him. She really should have. Uh, th- that was that was uncalled for. That was aggressive, yeah. and you know, I, I remember thinking in the moment because I think Bill was in the building that night, and I was thinking, you know, if that were my wife, now uh, she, my wife wouldn't be running for president, and maybe part of why they didn't do anything is she's got to handle that on her own if she's going to be president. But I think I'd have gone up there and clocked him had that been my yeah. wife, um, yeah, that, stalking that around, for- threatening. So, yeah. so, so if he does that against a Biden. Uh, an Irish Catholic from right. from Scranton, yes. yeah, with a temper, <laughs> right? Um, Tommy, I do want to ask you. We're not going to spend a lot of time in this. I'm actually very much looking forward to watching. I would I would disagree with you because I do think there is an uh, you know t- as per usual there's an undecided part of the electorate and i think these debates actually may may influence these undecideds like no other debates in the history of our general election years but with that said you made a comment that the debates just aren't what they used to be what did they used to be did they used to be truly informative did did we really get all of the positions were the questions fairly asked rather than an opinion made you know in the in the midst of questioning what what did they used to be like well it you know it it's part of television now it's part of our culture it's a personality culture and the the debates are now about personality uh more than anything else now you know i mean I, to be fair the 1960 debate right. between First Kennedy Nixon and, and, and Nixon was uh, supposedly decided on Nixon's five o'clock shadow and how scary he looked on television. Well, it was more than his five o'clock shadow. It was that he wore a light suit which made him look sickly in the first televised debate in presidential debate history, while Kennedy was in a darker suit and looked sharp. You know, you don't wear super light colors on TV, um, and that was a big mistake. And, you know, you just made the case that the very first debate in history was based on something that had nothing to do with their positions on issues. I know, and this may be a nostalgic point of view. It's just, they've just become more of a, personality driven i mean you know i mean if if you are undecided now you are stupider than the people who are going to vote for this guy i'm telling you if you are undecided you might be some of the stupidest people on earth yeah i don't i don't agree with that at all um i would agree with that if we had a clear-cut um 
uh, option that wasn't also uh, a problem. Um, but uh, I am looking forward to tonight, though. I think it's going to be uh, wildly entertaining. And you may be right. I think it's good. I don't know about fists being thrown. I think it's going to be very confrontational. Very confrontational. At least that's what I'm hoping for. Um, anyway, uh let me get to Tommy right after I tell you about Pepsi, because Tommy and I are perfect examples of people who watch sports but don't play them uh, at a professional level. And that's who Pepsi really appeals to. Passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels, because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. And of course, this football season is bit it's been a little bit different, but Pepsi's here to get you ready each and every week for game day, no matter how you watch the season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generation talent. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Also, you can you can go to made for footballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. All right, uh, tell me about your reaction to the game, your column, and then we can get more into Dwayne Haskins because I know part of your column deals with Dwayne Haskins. At least that's what the headline says. Yeah, yeah, because you won't spring to read it. Uh, you could copy well, paste that, and mean, send it to me. I mean, the whole the, the whole game was Dwayne Haskins. You know, four turnovers out of five for the team, three interceptions. I mean, if you have the zero interception uh, Haskins from, from the period, previous two weeks, that's a winnable game for, for Washington. Uh, all that said, my column says, you know, you, you got to live with it. You've got to live with this at least for a while. I, at this point, you, you've got to give, you got to give him a chance to go through these growing pains. And I, I point out, that there's, I mean, for Washington football fans, it's terribly unfair to tell them you have to be patient yet again and watch a process yet again with a bunch of new young players yet again that need to grow. But that's the reality. So, I mean, you know, the idea of benching Dwayne at this point seems foolish to me. Doesn't seem, uh, you, you got to see this thing through. You got to see it to the point where, if he's so bad, the other players on the team start to say, hey, we need a change, that's when you make the trigger. But at this point, you got to – I mean, he's got to stay in. I agree with you, um, but I really think that Ron Rivera yesterday took it to a different level than where he was after the game because basically he said what you just said, which is there is a point – there is a point where you have to cut it off. You know, there's a point in which others, quote, meaning other players in the locker room, quote, deserve better, closed quote. I thought those were very interesting comments from Ron Rivera yesterday uh, about Dwayne Haskins. Let me play two of the sound bites right now. Um, this is Ron Rivera yesterday talking about Dwayne Haskins. By the way, 10 of the first 15 questions were all about Haskins. And, Tommy, by the way, I agree with you. The reason they lost the game Sunday was Haskins. But I'm not ready to bail because there was still some good in the game from him. But this was Rivera yesterday. Um, 
I think adding a new layer of interest to whether or not Haskins really has the whole season to prove he can do it. Ron, I know you said Dwayne is your quarterback for the foreseeable future, but I look at that locker room and there's a bunch of competitive guys in there. Yep. If he continues to struggle or have you know poor performances, is it going to be harder and harder to sell Dwayne as your quarterback going forward? Because yep. in that locker room, guys want to win. Yes, they do. And, and, and again, there were a lot of guys that gave their heart, put their heart out on the field. And, 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 and truthfully, they deserve better. I mean, when, when you look at the way, you know, Deron played and, and Jonathan and, and, and Montez, I mean, you know, guys like that are leaving it on the field. John Boston, I mean, you know, guys played hard. You know, then you turn around the offense side, you look at those guys on the offensive line were battling and fighting too. And, you know, the things that the backs did, the receivers and tight. I mean, you have to you know, say at some point there is. And, and I'll cross that bridge when I get there. You know when that bridge may be? Is there like a cut point? Like, obviously, you want there to is. Grow, for, you for, want for to me, there is. progress. But is there going to be a time where you just got to, in a sense, maybe cut bait in a way? Yes, there is. I mean, again, and, 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 and you brought up the point, and it's a very good point, is that there are guys in that locker room that are playing well enough for us to win. And again, we have to make sure everybody is playing well enough to win at that point. And there is, there, there is, there is a, a, a cutoff point for me. There is. I, I found, Tommy, those two sound bites, which I put together, to be really interesting because – you know, Sunday after the game, he's backing Dwayne publicly. You know, they're sticking with Dwayne. This is a process, et cetera, et cetera. And then yesterday, he's saying, you know, the guys in the locker room deserve better, and there is a cutoff point for him. I, I made uh, Cooley made the point yesterday to say, yeah, because he got up on on sun, or Sunday night or Monday morning, got up and watched the tape. And the tape revealed some major mistakes and maybe some mistakes that they think he should be beyond at this point. I also find it interesting that, you know, Rivera, you know, talks about there are guys in, in that locker room that are playing to win. Well, the coach isn't playing to win. So yes. th- there is that. Um, yes. although, although that may have changed, too. Um, and I'll tell you why in a moment. J.P. Finley and the, um, the uh, NBC Sports uh, team partner um, uh, got, gets that interview with Rivera on Monday. And Rivera said, you know, we, we're in this thing. We're, we're in the division lead right now. And, and he compared it to 2014 when he was in Carolina when they were 3-8-1 and one and made a run and won the, won the division at 7-8-1. and one. So maybe he's rethinking the R&D year, the development year. But um, what do you make of what he said about Haskins as it relates to the other players on the team that are playing well? I think cool. He's right. He probably got to look at the film and there were things much worse. And his initial reaction was to protect his quarterback and defend his quarterback. Uh, but the film, as they say, doesn't lie. And uh, he saw some serious flaws in there as far as look, I think the big I think what's what's going to turn into a big story. It, not, not, I mean, as big as Haskins, no, but a bigger story than it should have to be. Uh, is this whole timeout thing, Kevin? Yeah. I mean, the, the coach not 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 playing the win for the second week in a row. Uh, I mean, if he's worried about what his players think about Dwayne Haskins not giving him a chance to win, uh, and and obviously the coach's lack of confidence in the quarterback's ability to bring them back for a miracle finish. What does it say to the other 
players if, if, they're, if they're getting that same message from the coach. So while Haskins is the bigger story, uh, this timeout thing is going to become an issue for the coach. It's just, God, I don't want to sit here and continue to do this. I did it all last week and I did it yesterday, but there is just, there's confusion with this. I think he's confused. I don't know how much of his personal battle right now is impacting um, what he's doing professionally. It certainly would be understandable if it is. I don't think there's any doubt. What we saw on Sunday just doesn't happen in the NFL. It doesn't matter what stage of, of, of the career your quarterback is or your offense is. or It just doesn't happen. And, and, when it, and if it were to have happened as it did and there were a reasonable explanation, which it's hard to come up with one, but his being that he's trying to protect his players from injuries and then he's running plays anyway, there's just it, it's, it's all disconnected and discombobulated in his own mind and he's digging his heels in on that stuff Tommy like he's really doubling and tripling down he did it in his presser yesterday like don't tell me my business boy I know what I'm doing well no you don't um and this isn't one of those things and I know I'm going to hear from so many of you and I I've seen it on Twitter before oh right Sheehan uh like you know more than Ron Rivera uh you know what when it comes to 99.9999999 percent of football what he's forgotten I'll never know but when it comes to calling timeouts the way he has the last two weeks, I'm right and he's wrong. All of us, let me put all of us into the same category, are right and he's wrong. There is no explanation. Well, there is an explanation that could match the actions, but they, but it hasn't. So there is that. You know, he's being dishonest or just as forgotten. But really... If you're trying to build something and you're trying to get your quarterback and your young players reps without trying to win, why not get them two-minute reps at the end of the half or the end of the games? But if you're really concerned about the injuries, you don't keep your starters out there on defense, and then when you get the ball back on offense, you take two knees and you take your six timeouts home with you. Your three second half and your three first half. I'll tell you, in many ways, the first half thing is even worse because it's 17 7. And I would assume at the end of the first half, he's not conceding at that point. And he conceded at the end of the half in trying to score. Do you know that they told Antonio Gibson on the run to stay in bounds to, rot, or to keep the clock running? They wanted to get, oh my gosh. They wanted to, get to the locker room. So. No, he's wrong on this, and his explanation does not match his actions, which makes it even more confusing. With that said, back to Dwayne. Um, I think what's in play now, two things are in play. Number one is just the possibility that we just don't know where Dwayne is in those meeting rooms and in practice and what the teammates really think. You know, there's this audio, I don't know if you heard it, Tommy, yesterday on social media, of Thomas Davis in a mic'd up training camp practice telling Dwayne, hey, you're staring it down. You, you stare yes, down the crossing I, I, route. I saw that. You know, you, and, and Dwayne saying, no, I didn't. And him saying, well, if you, when you look at the tape, you can come back to me and tell me I'm right. And Dwayne said, well, what if I'm right? And he said, well, then you can come back and tell me I'm wrong. And so there's already the staring down, you know, controversy, if you will. But I think there's two things at play. Number one, 
there is the possibility that they already know that he's not the guy. And they're sort of going through the motions of making it seem fair. But in Ron's gut and in Scott Turner's gut and in Ken Zampisi, Zampisi's gut, he's not the guy. They, they don't see it in the meeting room. They don't see it brought out to the practice field. They don't see it in the games. Um, and what are we doing here? Well, because this isn't going to be a year in which they're going to win anyway, then um, we are – uh, we're going to go through the motions of giving him a, a, a the perceived fair shot. And by the way, what are their options? You know, Kyle Allen, Alex Smith. Yeah, that's Smith. what I mean. They don't have a, a lot of options. But this idea of not winning uh, with the defense that they have or appear to have and with the NFC East in such chaos, I mean, I wouldn't raise the white flag. It's a winnable division. Yeah, well – I don't think they're anywhere near as good as the Cowboys, but and they lost Matt Ioannidis for the year yesterday, which is a big, big loss. Um, and who knows what the Chase Young situation is? Hopefully, he'll be all right, but he could miss a couple of weeks. Um, that's what I've heard, but I don't know that for a fact. Uh, Josina Anderson reported yesterday that he went for an MRI. But the second thing that I wanted to mention, you, one of the things is, you know, look, we just don't know yet, but we will at some point. That they just don't think it's workable that they don't think it's worth it but we're going to go through you know more games and maybe a season and then they'll make that decision in the offseason but there's something else at play and this is where he told JP Finley like he woke up yesterday morning and realized hey we're in first place <laughs> you know yeah we're one and two and I do have a good defense and I've got some players offensively and by the way Scott Turner's called called a hell of a game the other day and you know we could win this division at seven and eight and one or seven and nine or eight and eight and we're good enough to win some of these games and you look hey you know you know I hate playing the schedule game but play the schedule game they've got the Giants twice they've got the Bengals on the schedule you know they they still have all of the five division games left and they've already won one of them over a team that's floundering in Philadelphia. They played Detroit. Um, there's one other bad team, Carolina. Like right right now, you know, if, if he said in his mind yesterday, oh, we can beat the Giants, we can beat the Lions, we can beat the Bengals, we can beat Carolina. Hell, that's that's two, three, four, five to go with the one we have. That's six. If we can steal one more, we're seven and nine. We might be in the postseason in this division. Well, this is this is what I just said. I know. I heard you. I'm not creating an echo. I'm agreeing yeah. with you. That, I, that, that I mean, I mean, so why? I mean, so uh, I mean, I, that's why I don't get the timeouts. Well, because I, mean, I don't think he felt that way until he woke up yesterday and realized he was in first place and his quarterback really played poorly in a game that they could have been in first place with a 2-1 and one record had the quarterback not turned it over four times. And, and look, if on Sunday against the Ravens they're down 34-23 to 23 with you know four minutes left and the Ravens are driving the ball and they're not calling timeouts, well, then this whole idea of trying to win the division – this new idea that he told JP is not real, and he really is in total R&D, we're not trying, you know, year, which I think is absurd. I agree with you completely. But maybe this is the week he starts to manage the clock um, more professionally um, and more with an urgency to attempt to win the game. Like, come on, coach, try to win the game. Let, let's. He's not going to do that. He's not going to do After sitting there and basically almost – you know, coming off the, the stage to rip the, the lungs out of people questioning 
his timeout strategy, he's not going to turn around and do what you told him to do. <laughs> well, then I have. Then that's going to be a big problem, because if he woke up yesterday and said, "What? We're in first place, one and two, uh, and we get the Giants twice, and the Bengals, and the Panthers, and the Lions, and you know the Cowboys can't stop anybody," and Hey, maybe we can win now. Now all of a sudden, maybe winning becomes more of a priority. Look, Tommy, I think I, I think what I've realized in this first three games is what Panther fans have been saying for a long time. Ron's a really good coach, but he's terrible at clock management and game management. They, they, all you got to do is Google Ron Rivera clock management, and there are thread. There's thread after thread of Carolina Panther fans complaining about it. David Tepper, the owner, is a massive analytics guy. One of the reasons he is moving on is because Ron's too old school for him. And uh, it doesn't mean that I, I think Ron Rivera is a really good coach. I think Mike Shanahan's a really good coach. Mike struggled at times with clock management when he was here. You know, uh, I remember, do you remember that time that Kyle and I on the air got into a debate as to how they manage the clock at the end of, uh, of a half? And Kyle told me I didn't know what I was talking about. And then I, and then I went back at him and I said, well, you could have had the ball back with a minute 40 left instead of 30 seconds left. Uh, and then he just moved on. He completely brushed it off. Do you remember that? You know, if I had to keep track of all your debates about <laughs> how many times you were right, oh, stop I wouldn't it. have time to watch anything. Stop else. it. Oh, my God. That's you on a half shell. I mean, my God, the number of times we spend 10 minutes, first 10 minutes of the show. Remember what I said? What happened? Oh, by the way, what? I wanted to give you props for breaking the news on Matt Ioannidis. Oh. That was that. Congratulations. I mean, you know, it's nobody likes to break. Uh, bad news about an injury to somebody, but you had it first, uh, and you got credit in most places. I, what I saw every once in a while, uh, stumble into something. Um, anyway, I think what got introduced yesterday by Ron Rivera is the possibility that this could end this year. And I think after the game on Sunday, I thought you know, unless you get into a situation where it becomes so obvious end of the year. Um, you know, then maybe you get some Kyle Allen, who knows, but, um, I think what we saw yesterday, oh, oh, the other, the, the other possibility on this is that he's publicly challenging him. That one of the things in Galdi brought this up with me on the show this morning, Galdi said that one of the things that Ron Rivera said over the summer, he talked about a meeting that he had with urban Meyer where Urban Meyer said, one of the things you must do with Dwayne is you must challenge him publicly, and he'll respond. And he challenged him, remember, in the offseason, publicly. Yes. And so Galdi's theory is that, you know, he woke up, uh, watched the tape, and said, I've got to challenge him publicly. I've got to say that, you know, he, uh, that the other players deserve better. And that'll that'll rile him up. The problem is, is he didn't, you know, he had to be asked that specific question to answer it. He didn't offer it up. It wasn't something that he tried to work in to another question. He was asked specifically about the other players and what their reaction would be if, if you know, Dwayne continued to, to, to make mistakes, which cost them the game, which he did on Sunday. Uh, now, let me ask you two questions. Uh if if Dwayne gets benched, he's obviously not going to be happy. 
Does the owner come into play at all in that decision? Or does, does Dwayne go to his friend Dan and Dan says, don't bother me, Dwayne. I got bigger problems. Well, I know the answer. I know what your answer is. Your answer is, of of course, there's going to be a problem if he benches no, Dwayne. No, no, I think he's gonna he's gonna push Dwayne away and say, "Hey, I'm sorry, <laughs> I got bigger problems <laughs> yeah. right now to deal with than your ego." Yeah, you ever I, heard I, of I, Beth Wilkinson? She's not easy. Yeah, yeah, I th- I think it'd be the latter. I just think he's he's could probably rightfully consumed with uh, hanging on to his football team. So I don't think he's I don't think he, he's gonna be you know, fighting another battle on another front where he's got so many battles that he has to fight. I have so no, I have I no idea. I, be- I'm bothered about one thing, though. I'm bothered that um, that uh, it's not that I'm bothered because this would hardly be a shocker to me. Um, but uh, John Kime wrote in his column Sunday that, you know, one of the things that Ron Rivera, when he took the job, promised that he would really work hard to develop Dwayne. I talked to John afterwards and I'm like, you know, I had Ron Rivera on my show in August and I asked him specifically if there was a quid pro quo. You know, did you have to commit to the owner um, to get this job that you would make it work with Dwayne, that you would give Dwayne, you know, every opportunity to be the the franchise quarterback, and he said absolutely not. Uh, to me, it makes sense that that conversation took place, right? I mean, the conversation about Haskins took place before the offer was made. Don't you think that that it would be weird if it if if, if it hadn't been, um, and that somehow the owner got across to Ron that he's a big Dwayne Haskins fan. Remember this too, Tommy, that the owner said that Carolina had a first-round grade on Dwayne. Yes, they did. Yeah, that, that, that's been said. I, look, of course that, that conversation probably took place, but, you know, there, there's always that play. And, I mean, it, there could have been part of what Jay Gruden did when the owner asked him about RG3. Is You know, when you want a job, you tell the guy, yeah, I know how to run a widget for, for Micah, you know? <laughs> I know how to work one of those machines. Yeah. So uh, so there may have been part of that. He really wanted this job, as, as you pointed out, uh, because he wanted to get back into coaching right away. Uh, so uh, I just don't think because uh, of, you know, it'll be Dwayne's misfortune that because Dan Snyder's plate is 110% full, that he won't have time to protect his prize number one draft pick. It's possible. Um, you know, at, at this point, again, I, I believe, my belief on this is three, three games, for, for me as a fan, watching him play in three games this year is not enough. And there's no, been, I agree. I agree with that. And there's been some good in these three games too. But what we don't know is what they're, you know, all of the other stuff. And, you know, it may be there for all we know right now, there's a consensus out there that he's not the guy, you know, that we gave it a shot and he's not the guy. And we can't, if we're going to turn this program around, including the culture around, and by the way, I'm not suggesting that he would be bad culture, but if we're going to win football games over the next five years 
And to your point, you've always suggested he better do something quickly or he could be in trouble, that he's not going to get the, the military three, four, five years, um, that they may have already come to the conclusion that, the, look, there, there's a lot about him that would be is alarming. You know, his footwork is terrible. The mechanics are terrible. The 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 staring down receivers on Sunday, um, you know, and the decision-making was poor. They lost a football game Sunday because of the quarterback. There's no, there's no close number two on the reasons that they lost the game Sunday. So if that happens another one or two times – it, 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 it just may be it, and they, they may have already come to that conclusion, and then they'll see it one to two more times, and then we'll probably get the guy they had last year. But personally, for me, watching these games, not knowing what's going on in meeting rooms and the personalities and the leadership and all that stuff and, and whether or not he's getting it, it's not enough. I've seen enough good to want to see much more um, and to, to make sure that you know he's not the guy. I still think there's a chance he could be the guy. That may be. Uh, you know, and I agree with you. I mean, there's no – I don't think – I think it's way too early to pull the plug. Uh, let me ask you this. In terms of, of Washington football team disasters, where would the owner drafting a failed first-round quarterback rank? <sighs> I mean, it would certainly be on the list. It's not number it's a, one. Is it a is it a big one? It's it's not. Yeah, it's a big one, of course. Okay. But you know, it's right up there with all the others. The you know the Zorn hire, the, the keeping Bruce Allen around, the Albert Haynes. I mean, we've got a list of 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 of, of owner transgressions, of owner mistakes that you know is is worn peace length over twenty one years. I mean, so you'd really, I, I, you I know, but this this one, this is one. That happened, uh, you know, recently, relatively recently, yeah. and and at a time when uh, some people in this town were trumpeting the new Dan Snyder, the uninvolved Dan Snyder. <laughs> I love when you do that. Um, I don't I, look. We still what we know about that draft is that Dan desperately wanted them to draft Dwayne Haskins in the first round at number fifteen, and and not only that, the reporting, if you recall, was also that he was urging them to trade up to get Dwayne Haskins, which would have even been a bigger disaster yes. potentially yes. because we're we're still not sure whether or not Haskins would have been selected in the first round if if Washington hadn't taken him at 15 overall. Just because people had a first round grade on him doesn't mean that he was the next guy on everybody's board. You know, we've gone through that whole draft. It, it, there was a possibility that he could have dropped out of the first round and that they could have had a shot at him in the second round or they could have had a shot where they got sweat by trading into the first round end of it and drafting him there. But Anyway, um, uh, well, the, the quarterback still has a chance to show the league that they done messed up. He still got that chance. That's true. Yes, he um, does. And he gets his chance this coming Sunday against the Baltimore Ravens. <clears throat> yeah, that was a game, man, last night because woof, Kansas oh. City. Um, I'm going to talk to Cooley about that game in more detail here in a moment. But, uh, man, Mahomes and then Jackson, you know, you're going to get to the point here where. Baltimore is going to have to, you know, beat a Kansas City. They're going to have to win a playoff game, or 
uh, or you're going to say, look, as a front-running team, Jackson's fine. When you've got the lead and you can run the football and you can stay in that, you know, but if you've got a throw to come back, it's going to be a problem. He's um, 0-6 when his team is down at halftime. Yeah. It's his drop back game is really painful at times to watch. At that, with that said, when they are in that you know dual threat you know capability, he's can be really good off of play action, off of bootleg, off of creating. But in pure drop back, not good, um, not good at all. It certainly wasn't last night. Um, I just wanted to get one more thing from you before uh, we end our uh, part of today's show. Are the Dodgers going to win the World Series? Like, I love the, the the next two days, Tommy, I think are going to be absolutely thrilling for sports fans, especially if you love postseason baseball. You know that there are four games today, eight games tomorrow, eight playoff games. This is like the NCAA tournament the next couple of days, you know, the early round of the, of the tournament for gamblers anyway. Uh, the Dodgers are such a heavy favorite. They are plus 300. Uh, and the the next best is like the Padres or the Yankees at like plus a thousand. Do you think the Dodgers are going to win the World Series? Look, anything could happen in postseason baseball, particularly this postseason baseball. I still think the whole baseball season is an abomination. I think that the postseason is a continuation of that abomination. Therefore, I am rooting for the Miami Marlins to win the whole thing. That would be awesome too, <laughs> but uh, I don't I, look. Anything can happen in this two out of three. I mean, There's I no mean, I, I you know, I don't think they should even give a, give awards this year, like MVP, Cy Young, all that. I don't think they should even give awards. You know what the award should be season. for? The award should be for finishing it because you didn't have them finishing it. No, I didn't. And the, I didn't. I, I was a hundred percent wrong on that. And hockey, hockey got no, through it with no, the, with no issue. They haven't, they haven't finished yet. No, I'm they haven't. Over. But hockey's done. Hockey, hockey did it. Has done. They had to leave the country to do it. But they <laughs> well, did the it. NBA didn't have to leave the country, and it looks like they're they going to get through it. Yet either. No, they haven't. But they're going to finish. You're not going to see the, the NBA finals will be played. Um, Listen, no. I, I'm down by eleven. With two minutes left, I'm not wasting my timeouts, buddy. <laughs> You're gone. You don't want to yeah. use one of them to stick around a little bit no, longer. No, I'm using them. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not leaving. I'm not taking them. Oh, the you want to stay a little bit longer and use your timeouts? Yes. Well, yes. you know that is really a change. You wanting to work more rather than less. Congratulations <laughs> on a first. Uh, all right. What else you got? Do you have anything else? That's really? it. All right. I got nothing else, boss. All right, we'll talk on Thursday. Thanks. We'll get to Cooley right after I tell you about Magic Spoon. I'm a big cereal eater. I love cereal. I got sent four boxes of Magic Spoon cereal. It's fantastic. It really is. And the best part of it is zero grams of sugar, 11 grams of protein, and only three net grams of carbs in each serving. Four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, blueberry. Cocoa and blueberry were my favorites. I got to the frosted yesterday, just sitting here snacking. They were great. They taste amazing. They're gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carbs, and GMO-free. Go to magicspoon.com slash 
Kevin DC to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code Kevin DC at checkout to get free shipping. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash Kevin DC and use the code Kevin DC for free shipping. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And now Chris Cooley joins us for a Tuesday film breakdown of the offense in the loss to the Browns, which we'll get to. And I'm sure many of you are waiting to hear Cooley break down Dwayne Haskins' game and give him a grade. Two things real quickly before we get to the film breakdown, and we will get to it quickly. Number one is this breaking news as we're doing the podcast this morning that the Titans have to shut everything down and so do the Vikings because of COVID tests that were positive uh, for Tennessee. They're not allowed in their building until Saturday. They play the Steelers Sunday at home in Nashville in a matchup of two 3-0 teams, a big-time early season matchup. The Vikings, because they played the Titans, are also shutting it down. They play um, this week. I forget who they play. They play the Texans uh, this week. Um, So we now have the first adversity to the NFL season as it relates to covid Um, we've got, you know, I don't know how this will get resolved. The reporting right now is that the Titans are not going to be allowed in their building until Saturday. Everything's going to be done remotely. Can they actually play a game on Sunday without practicing Cooley? Absolutely. They can play a game on Sunday without practicing. Might be a little bit difficult. I got a lot of thoughts on this, Kevin. Give them to me. Give them to me. One. Why can't they just go test everybody today? Because I guess because in theory you could have a positive test four days later, right? Yeah, it's that incubation period or whatever. The the incubation period, so you don't know. Two, how happy I would have been as a player to have a full week off and then be able to go (laughs) play a game. No no joking aside, I know that they're going to have meetings and installs, and they are getting used to some of the Zoom stuff, but how happy I would have been to not go practice. Three, do they orchestrate a practice or is that something that they can or can't do? I.e. John Beck at Tuscarora High School when we had the NFL lockout season. Does Kirk Cousins get together with Adam Thielen to go through some of the new concepts that they had? Well, I mean, or vice versa in Tennessee. Cousins do do doesn't even like wearing a mask. 
you know, he's only doing it to, uh, you know, uh, because he's respectful of those that think that the masks are working. You know, there was, I'm trying to figure this out right now because I remember when the NFL set the schedule and I thought it was week four where they said the week four matchups, everybody was going to have the same bye week. And it, that would just be so unbelievable if they timed it perfectly on that. And I'm just, I'm just going through here. So the Titans bye week is week seven. The Steelers bye week is week eight. Okay, so I was wrong about that. Um, their bye week is week eight. Uh, I, for whatever reason, I thought that one of the early weeks in the season, the NFL was essentially making it so that everybody that was playing each other had the same bye week, and therefore if a game got you know canceled or postponed that they could reschedule it for their bye week. But that's not the case. Anyway, continue. Um, or... Th- What's the line change on this within three hours? Well, they'll they'll shut the line to the down. Team that can't, the game, the, the, there'll be no line on the game. Like I'll tell you right now, I I let's see if if it can be bet. There, there's there's probably not going to be a line on the game. It's going to be because you don't know. Let's see if my one of my shops has shut it down already. Um, NFL Sunday. Can I go in and bet the Steelers up? Oh. The Steelers are one and a half over the Titans. The game is still on the board right now. So if I try to play the Steelers right now, I can play the Steelers right now if I want to play them. Should I do it? Now, if the game's not yeah. played, it'll be a voided do bet. It. It'll be I a voided bet. Um, it would be really fascinating to see. So are they going to shut the line down? I think they will. I mean, maybe there's an opportunity right now. I this is unprecedented territory. Games that that lose lots of players for sickness or for injury or are usually off the board until there's resolution to who's playing and who isn't and the proper point spread can be set. Well, the other reason you can't set a line is because what if you go test on Saturday when everybody comes into the building and 14 guys have it? Well, we've seen – I mean, the lines have been, you know – free flowing all week up until kickoff with that as with that as a possibility already this year. Anyway, um but I I mean it would you you can't say you can't set a line cuz there could have been 10 guys that got it from the game. Yeah, no, that's why Tennessee and so, Minnesota. Tennessee's the one that had the positive covid tests. Minnesota's shut down because of it because they just played each other. So no, I understand. I mean, I trust me. I get where it comes from. I'm just, I'm just saying. Like, I mean, the bottom who knows line, how many guys have it on Saturday? I, I bet you this is. I bet you. I, I don't know. I have no idea. They probably got to go in and test throughout the week because here's the other thing you got to think about. What if you have that? What if you end up having ten guys that have it, and you can't field a fifty-three? Right. Well, they, they, they right now, and then we'll, so there's a COVID IR, right? You could just miss a game with COVID. Uh, there's the COVID uh, three-week IR, um, but there's also the expanded um, practice squad where you can, you know, go to the practice squad and call players up to play. Um, with uh, it, it's just more, it's it's more available than it was. I, I'm, I'm not going to give. I'm not going to be able to give you specifically what it is. I'm just reading Tom Pelissaro, three new player positives, five new personnel positives. Both the Titans and Vikings will suspend in-person club activity starting today. Diana Rossini, a league source, just texted me. We're shutting Tennessee down until Saturday. Uh, and then she um, 
Yeah, Rossini's all over this. Let's see. What her latest? The Titans will not be allowed in their building until Saturday. Everything will be done remotely. This is going to be a big challenge for the organization in the league. There were no positive tests with the Vikings when notified this morning, but the NFL is taking the safe approach via protocols with facility shutdown source added. So nothing, no, no Minnesota Viking has tested positive yet, but again, it's only two days. It's, you know, it's less than 48 hours since they played. Um, anyway. Okay. What did you, just real quickly, I wanted to get your thoughts on Mahomes last night and on, um, and on, uh, and on Jackson in, in the Chiefs, uh, Ravens game. Baltimore's defense is good. Mahomes made them look silly. I know. They, they played multiple coverages. They tried to play multiple looks. I actually, I rarely tweet and I was just randomly saw something on Twitter which was a Mahomes throw where he's backpedaling six or seven yards and then plants and throws. It might've been eight yards before he plants and throws and it's a touchdown over the top. And it truly reminded me, you never played video games of yeah, 1991 tech mobile. Yeah. Right. We used to just say, and anybody that's listening that played that game understands this. You used especially with anyone with good receivers, like the 49ers in, in that game with John Taylor and Jerry Rice, you used to just drop your quarterback. Joe Montana would go back like 20 yards, and then you'd just heave one all the way across the field. Right. It, completely unrealistic, except that's what Mahomes did. That throw to Hard, Hardman was ridiculous. I mean – There were multiple – there was a throw to Hardman that was ridiculous that Hardman dropped. But the touchdown throw, third and 14, backing up and throwing it on a rope 60 yards. It was unbelievable. It was a video game. Kevin, it, I, I, I don't know what to say. Like, if you have that player, that would be, okay, here's another video game comparison. Like 2002 Madden or 2004 Madden or whatever it was. When you played against any of your friends who were like, all right, here's the deal. You could be anybody but Atlanta. You cannot have Michael Vick on your team. <laughs> right. That's like playing Patrick Mahomes. He's so much better than almost any other player in the league right now. That's some of the things that he does are not fair things. Did you see afterwards to his mom tweeted something Yeah, to all the announcers? Like, don't call him Pat. Yeah, he's Patrick. His dad's Pat. That happened to me with Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> yes, it did. Matthew McConaughey. I called him Matt. And he, Old Chris don't call Matthew. me Matt. My name's Matthew. My mom would be mad. Yeah. Okay. I said, okay, Matt. And then I left. Um, on Jackson... Do you know that he hasn't won a game in which they've trailed at halftime? I think it's very clear that if you ask him to drop back to win a game, it's a problem for Baltimore. Well, it's a problem for Baltimore, and it's not just because of Jackson. So let me be clear on that. Now, again, this is one of those ones that are tough because my pre-draft Jackson evaluation and some of the post-draft stuff is that he's the best running back in football and that I don't know if he's going to be a good quarterback. You, you and I did this together. I said, I'd yeah. take him number one overall if he'll do anything I want. I think he's the most versatile player I've seen coming out. Right. I, I mean, because I didn't say I'd take him number one as a quarterback, it's like, oh, yeah. you're an asshole. Yeah. Well, I'd take him number one if he would do anything I want. And Baltimore created an offense for Lamar Jackson. And so when you start talking about just dropping back and throwing, they're out of their game plan. Completely. They're, not, they're, they're, without, they're out of flow, out of rhythm, out of game plan. Their game plan operates on heavy run, a lot of run action pass, 
Jackson implementing some of the things he does back there as a runner, like it, it took away some of their game plan. He's a guy that can throw the ball to me accurately down the field deep, but I, I don't think he's the most accurate passer in the intermediate range. And I don't think his timing's exceptional when you have to go high to low and hit that intermediate range. I, I, I think he's a tremendous player, but yeah, if you force him to throw and frustrate him, he's not. I think a lot of Ravens fans last night or early this morning woke up saying, "Not sure." I mean, I'm not saying I'm not saying they're right because I don't think they're. I'm I'm not sure that they're necessarily right because we've seen front winner or front runners win before, whether it's a front runner in golf or a front runner in basketball or any sport. Like they they have the ability to jump out early and bury you and continue to do their thing. But the likelihood of being able to do that through three postseason games, you know, home, home, home road, Super Bowl, um, we didn't see it last year. You know, we saw him get behind against Tennessee. He was forced to throw the ball 59 times, and they, only, they were only able to score 12 points in the entire game. They couldn't come back after falling behind 14 nothing, and they couldn't stop Derrick Henry either, which was a big problem for them last year. The year before that, I don't even put that San Diego game on, on him. That, you know, he barely played it that, at, at that point. But... Um, you know, it's like what all of the people, uh, the NFL experts always said when we were talking about zone read and the way the game was changing, and, and they would say, look, at some point to win a Super Bowl, you're going to have to drop back on third and nine in the pocket and make a play. And I guess that's true to a certain degree. I guess it is. San Francisco almost won a Super Bowl without having to do that with Kaepernick. In 2012, um, but anyway, uh, he had 97 yards passing, yeah, and 83 yards rushing, and it, it's it's funny because 83 yards rushing could end up being a 258 yard passing day, but they got down, and I think the thing you just continue to learn is how good Kansas City is. I mean, Kansas City had the test with the Chargers a week ago. Yeah, the Chargers really defended them well. I mean, I, it seems when you watch a game like last night, you're like, God, my, my God, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. It, they just can't be stopped. But the Chargers stopped them. Cool. Clearly, the Chargers are pretty good defense. Yeah. Have the Chargers given up more than 24 in any game. Well, it was overtime with the Chiefs, but Chargers are pretty good defense. I mean, the, the other teams they played. Right. The Panthers were not and dominant offensive teams. Like I wouldn't put Carolina last week as a dominant offensive team. And I wouldn't say that the Cincinnati yet is a dominant offensive team, but the chargers, I think there's something to the chargers. Yeah, I agree. Defensively, no doubt. Um, the other Bosa and Ingram and all those guys, they're good. Um, still, uh, real quickly, the next, uh, head coach, um, offensive, you know, minded genius head coach is going to be Joe Brady who is the offensive coordinator in Carolina and was Burroughs OC last year at LSU. And, you know, it's it's interesting watching Carolina. I, I, that's going to be a team that I don't think is going to be as bad as people think. 
they lost a close game, a winnable game to the Raiders in week one. They got behind, tried to come back against the Buccaneers, and then they won against the Chargers on Sunday on the road. I actually think that that's a team that's not terrible, like everybody thought they were going to be. And so far, so good for Matt Rule, Joe Brady, et cetera, in, in Carolina. All right, let's, let's, uh, let's get to the film breakdown. We're going in-depth, play-by-play. The Cooley Film Breakdown. Here's Cooley and Kevin. Kevin, the offensive film breakdown from the Cleveland game. Yep. I think you'll have some surprises. I think you'll have some known disappointments. <laughs> I don't think anybody's questioning what the Dwayne Haskins grade is going to be. I, I don't know how you'd question that. Um, there's some good stuff from the offense. There's bad stuff. I, I wanted to start with a couple of things that I thought were really impactful to the game. And to me, there were two calls that I thought were absolutely insane that to me truly impacted this game. I went through a little bit of it with you yesterday, but the first one is a reverse to right where Wes Martin gets called for a hold. They were ahead seven, three in the second quarter of the ball game, right? It's a first and 10 and right ends up picking up four or five. It's not a huge play, but instead they go into a first and 20 situation. This right now is not a team that overcomes first and 20, second and 20. Uh, What's weird is Dwayne did it a bunch last year, but right now it just doesn't seem like that type of team. The hold on Martin is insane. Uh, He's blocking. He's on the left. He's blocking down to pin for the reverse. I think when the referee throws the hold, he thinks it's run. So it looks like he's blocking down and is holding on with bad leverage where the back is going further inside. He's blocking towards the back but he's doing what he's supposed to do, and the reverse is coming back out. I don't think the referee saw the reverse. Okay. There's no chance, no way, no nothing. There's no hold, not even a not even a, a iota of a hold. You go into first and 20 the next play, they throw a swing pass for a five-yard loss, and they end up having to punt, and Cleveland scores the next possession. Right. Those are things that are little little things in games where you you say like we can't beat ourselves but that wasn't one of those plays where you beat yourself right like to me that that's not a play where where you beat yourself the other one is a first and 10 throw to terry mclaurin where they're down 24 20 late in the game yeah and it's a run action pass great ball to terry when you call opi on a receiver it's when they truly extend with the arm Terry comes out of his break and it's almost like he takes his arm and it's like a swim. He's swatting hands off of him. There's no extension. There's not even like a lot of times you teach tight ends, sometimes receivers a little bit that you can chicken wing, like you can kind of bump and chicken wing. I watched this 50 times, like over and over and over and over and over. It's not even a chicken wing. It's just a swap, a swap by the receiver. There is no chance in hell that that's OPI. Terrible call. They they called now, it on TV too. Think about it too. in the moment. In the moment, they had just went and scored on the previous drive. Right. They were 24-20. 20 to they 17. Were 24-20. 27- Cleveland comes back 20 to and seven. scores. Yeah, 24-20 Cleveland. And we're in a back and forth second half right now. Back and forth. Think We're doing something. And again, now you're put in a bad situation because of a penalty that didn't exist. Right. Like, I'm not making excuses here. And I'm not saying anything that it would have it for sure would have changed the game 
But to me, this is a team that can't afford these kind of calls. And these are bad calls. These are two bad calls that dynamically impacted the game. Like I thought it when I watched it in real time, and I feel the exact same way watching it on film. You get them out of rhythm, and, and they struggle a little bit. So I, I, to me, I was really frustrated with those couple calls because it's like, man, if Washington gets that play, Dwayne had gotten some rhythm. He just had the big throw to Inman for the touchdown, and then he comes back. That's his next throw. It's a strike to Terry, and you're like, man killing you yeah i i I agree i look i I don't know if they're going to win that game anyway but those that got hung up in the final score and you know uh debated on whether or not ron rivera there's no debate he should have been calling his timeouts you forget that that washington took a 20 to 17 lead into the fourth quarter i made this point on radio this morning the point you made and 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 that was the third and 12 defensively where ryan kerrigan dropped in coverage and they completed it if you get the stop there, you have all the momentum in the world. And at that point, Cooley, the win probability for Washington would have been probably like 70%. Um, but when they did answer after making that third and 12, and then now you have to answer, your first play is a 10-yard play, and it gets waved off. That's really unfortunate. It was a ter- terrible call because two plays later, he threw the pick to uh, Goodson. Yeah. Two, two plays later, you, you throw a pick, you give Cleveland the ball back, and now it's 31-20. Yep. And they're just not a third and 10 team. I'll, we'll go through all the picks. We'll go through all the things. I think we'll start with Dwayne as we always start with yeah. Dwayne. Let's get to Dwayne. So when when you look at Haskins to me, uh, it, it's like – I'm going to start with uh, – like I'm just going to start with this. He was 4 of 14 down the field for anything over 10 yards. He had two interceptions. He did have two touchdowns. Throwing the ball down the field. He had some misses that were open. Like he, he had some misses that were open, and I'll, I'll go through all of those. 14 of his completions on the day were inside of five yards, and I think like seven of them were behind the line of scrimmage or at zero yards. Like he is not getting the ball down the field. Right. Now, he did throw the ball down the field more than the last couple of weeks. My point that I want to make before all of this, before I start any of this, it stays the same, and I feel even more so, even after some bad interceptions. If he is not throwing the ball down the field, he is not getting better right now. Ron Rivera said it. I feel it. I think a lot of people see it the same way. This is essentially a rookie year. This is a quarterback that didn't play four years in college. This is a guy that wasn't believed in last year. Whether right or wrong, he wasn't believed in, so it didn't help him. And it's a guy that switched offenses in the offseason. And so through week one and two, just saying we need Dwayne to manage a game and strictly manage a game is not going to allow any progression for Dwayne throughout this season. Right now, just managing the game, he's not seeing enough looks to their concepts down the field, and he's not learning how to get the ball down the field. And if he can't get the ball down the field or – doesn't want to get the ball down the field or doesn't feel certain with it, then we're just going to stay static with where we are as a quarterback. And we're going to end up with best case Trent Dilfer managing a season through the best defense ever in winning a Super Bowl and being done. <laughs> You're saying that, that's yeah, as the that's, best it, case. Yeah. Your best case scenario is, is three years from now you you've taught a quarterback to just manage games and you're finding a way to win 17, 13, right? Which I don't know, by the way, doesn't happen anymore in the NFL. Well, there are too many good quarterbacks and too many good offenses and too many things skewed towards the offense. 
you have to get the ball down the field. I, I thought that in general, and I feel this the same way, I thought that it was a pretty good game plan. There were some calls that I, I didn't necessarily love in situations. Um, I'm not a big fan of some of the swing screens and some of the swing stuff that they have, even to Gibson in second and 10s, second and 20s, first and 20s. I don't think Dwayne throws an accurate enough uh, pass at this point to ensure that I know my guy's going to catch and run. Totally agree with that. You can some see of the it. Little slip screens. I, I, I'm not 100% it, sure. It has they to be too to... perfect for it to work, and it's not perfect enough. He doesn't throw that ball well. Right. I, I, I think he does struggle with that ball. So some of those calls, questioning a little bit. I don't necessarily love any of the third down combinations that they are getting to. Now, a couple of, they converted on some of it. And so, and, and a lot, it's okay. But most of their third down stuff is designated to be run after the catch to get the first down. Right. So, and, and a couple of them, like a Terry McLaurin shallow crosser, they got huge in man-to-man coverage. A McKissick crosser, huge in man-to-man coverage. And so some of it worked. Some of it did. Back to Dwayne. If you can believe this, on all of his dropbacks, I think he was only truly pressured seven times. Yeah, it seemed like the the, the protection held up pretty well on Sunday. I was curious as to what you were going to say about that. I did not see a lot of pressure on Dwayne Haskins in this game. I thought the offensive line did a pretty good job. And now also keep in mind, and this might be something to think about as we move forward, I thought Cleveland could bring some pressure and play in man-to-man more. Washington did an okay job against man-to-man coverage. They struggled against some zone coverage looks, but Cleveland only blitzed maybe five or six times. And in passing situations, only, I think, three or four blitz situations. They said, we're going to play zone, especially after they got a, those picks in the second half, or in the second quarter. We're going to rush for and play zone. This dude ain't going to beat us. We're gonna, he ain't going to beat us with his eyes. That's what they basically adjusted to, and, and the offense struggled. I also, I also think they could have run the ball more. To be honest with you, um, that I think that could have helped Dwayne out a little bit throughout the game. So let's go through the positives with Dwayne Haskins progressively. Well, first of all, I want to start. The two touchdowns to Inman were both big time throws. Yeah, the, they they were both big time throws. Um, the first one. I thought w- was awesome. You know, he's staring it down to Inman. He is, it, it, but it's a big time throw and a big situation. The second Inman throws great. I think Inman's the second read there. I think he's looking to Terry McLaurin, which means he's not staring down Inman, but his timing and the progression was perfect to hitch once and then deliver back across the field to Inman. It was a great route by Inman. It was kind of a, a double move on the post. You really stick it to the corner and then back to the post. It's a really good job by Inman to create the timing. That delay not only freezes the corner over there, but it creates that extra half a second for the safety not to get there. It holds them wide. I thought it was a great route. I thought it was a great throw. I thought one of Dwayne's best throws on the day was down 31-20. It was a third and 12 on a corner route to Logan Thomas that they converted. There was pressure in his face. He steps up. He makes a big throw. I, I thought that was exceptional with Dwayne. Um, third and eight on the touchdown drive in the third quarter. It's a good ball to Logan Thomas. 
get him a chance to be in a fourth and three. And then maybe one of the bigger plays of the day for Dwayne was the just the fourth and three. Cleveland did bring blitz in the fourth and three. Didn't panic. It looked like he almost wanted to tuck it down, and then he got his eyes right back up, and he hits Thomas for first down, and that's a big play. Threw that awkwardly from an awkward position. Yeah, it was awkward because he, he kind of wanted to, like, am I going to – nope, he's there. So I thought that was good. A um, couple of the boot throws I thought were okay. Real quickly on the third and 12 to Logan Thomas, because I wrote this one down as an example to me where it was a completion, but it was not accurately thrown. I mean, Thomas made a really good extension, if I recall, and made the catch on that, on that third and 12. He went to the right spot, but it was not a good throw. Well, he had Miles Garrett in his face on that left side, and Logan Thomas was tight man-to-man coverage, and so that ball had to be out in front of him. If he missed it, he missed the throw by within a foot. Okay. I, I, if I'm Logan Thomas right there running that corner out, I would love to be able to extend away from the defender to go get that ball. So I thought it was a good throw. Good catch too. Couple of the boots out to the right. Had a couple good balls. One was to right. That was out of bounds. That, that to me, that's the receivers got to watch the sideline. That was on the, touchdown drive in the third quarter that that the receiver's got to feel sideline there i thought Dwayne sensed open he's rolling right good throw good throw back across the field on a boot it's just such an awkward like his feet in head go forward his ass goes back on a jump throw when he's rolling right throwing <laughs> right it's really strange like instead of like driving and staying high with his chest out first he jumps almost feet out head forward it's a weird motion it's not to me it's not a reliable technique but i will say this right now right now on those boot throws i i think he's probably 50 50 on some of those throws couple not great couple okay if you're 70 percent plus throwing it that way i don't care but <laughs> I don't care what Philip Rivers' throwing motion looks like. Right. You complete balls, you complete balls. But it, to me, doesn't seem a reliable motion. Yep. That said, in this game, it worked a couple times. Um, I thought a huge throw was the OPI on Terry. That was a laser, man. That was bullshit yep. that, that got called back on OPI. Uh, to me, a couple of other good plays. There's a third and five sack in the third quarter, or in the second quarter. Garrett comes off the edge. There's nobody open. To me, that was a perfect A-gap flush. My negative in this, and it seems to be a negative around the league. This was going to be one of my what do you gots. How many shirt tackles have we seen this year? A in the lot. NFL where you see that yes. white shirt. Why is that happening? I'm not sure what these guys are wearing. Like, tuck your shirt into your pants or like get a tighter undershirt if Dwayne's not wearing that long white shirt he gets away he gets the first down yeah I've noticed like, that I too in the it. first three weeks we've seen several of those plays didn't we see Kyler Murray uh, last week uh, wasn't there a yes yeah I've seen at least 15 shirt pull tackles yeah I don't get it I don't know what's going on there like get a better shirt I don't care what Dwayne wears for his undershirt. It's not common that Dwayne's going to A-gap scramble and Miles Garrett's going to be strong enough to pull his shirt. But some of these guys' backs and stuff, you get caught on the edge by one hand and guys are able to pull that shirt. You know what's funny is 
the technology of shirts, the four thread stuff now is so strong. Like shirts 10 years ago would have just ripped. Right. That, that shirt, Dwayne's got to weigh 250 pounds. That shirt held a 250 pound man. He's not 250 anymore. Don't you, don't, didn't you watch his videos from over the summer? Okay. He's got to weigh 230 pounds. No, he's Garrett, down to 219. It's an average of two 250 pound men on, on average. That's sure. I mean, I would, I would buy that shirt. That shirt's never going to rip. <laughs> yeah. Um, a couple of the RPO throws were good. Some of the bubble throws were okay. Like the RPO where you got a bubble through and a couple to right. Some of those throws were okay. Those are easy throws. Um, there was one screen early that I thought was a good throwaway. It was really close to an interception. It looked like it was Ogan Joby who almost had a pick, but it was to me like that was a good throwaway screen. There was another screen later we'll talk about that wasn't. <laughs> Look, I think Dwayne's still a guy that can operate. I see Dwayne when he makes a couple of these throws is a talented player who can make talented throws. Right. I do see that. But. But the, here's the negatives. Yeah. And I think the negatives are just easiest for me to progressively go throughout the game. It's easiest for everyone to understand instead of go with the high, the biggest negatives first and then throughout. I think it's just easiest for me to go throughout this game. Early on a third and 15, he throws a slant to Terry McLaurin that could be a pick. It's a terrible job by Terry. He cross face on slants. It's a cover two look. Terry's got to get in front of the corner's face. The, there's another slant inside of him that's coached to just only cross face of the next inside zone defender to create a window. Terry has to get back underneath. That said... You can't throw that behind. You can't throw that slant behind the corner in front of the safety. That that never gets caught. I'm you never get that completion. You gotta move on. That that goes, hey, receiver did the wrong thing. Next guy, check down, boom, move on. That's a pick. Like those are not those are risky plays. Right. That's just an incompletion as it goes into the stat book, but I didn't like that. There's a throw on a run action pass deep out a little bit of pressure in his face to right right is getting walled inside and taking forever to get out to the corner it's man-to-man coverage and so Dwayne doesn't necessarily think the corner on the outside is going to fall off gandy golden's on his outside running a go ball trying to clear that thing out it's not the fastest go i think denzel ward just senses pressure senses ball in the air and falls off into it the ball's got to be out quicker or it's got to go somewhere else that one can't float that's a heck of a job it's a shit route by right but it's a heck of a job blowing that thing up to me right's getting walled on that thing get to number three in progression he had a dig coming into the backside window could have just thrown a 10 yard crosser from the left side i'm going to do this because everybody hates this one of the things i liked the most about kirk cousins was his ability to get back to the dig at number three right like how many times he worked that, especially in third down situations, that hard two-man combination, didn't like it, hitched across the field, came back to number three on that dig. Like think of all the Pierre Garçon digs coming across the backside that that dude got. That's what you do on that play. You don't throw a near pick. You move, you get your check down, or you go to number three. Third and one on the second drive, 
it's a run play. It's a fly sweep. This is arbitrary, but I think I'm right on this thing. It was a great call to Terry. I, I can see Dwayne calling out the Mike linebacker. You're trying to leave the defensive end free on the ball and block both backers to the strong side. You'd want to leave the backside backer free away from it. He leaves the strong safety down free to Terry's side. That guy hits it. There's no one there for him. There's no one there to block him. That gets blown up. I, a lot of times it's weird. Like, is it the center? Is it the quarterback? Well, I can see Dwayne pointing out the mic. So he, when you count this thing out there, the safety's down, there's a backer, and then there's another backer. Dwayne calls the third backer, the last one I mentioned, Mike. Well, you just re-mic it to the second backer. That treats the safety to the front side as a backer. And now our offensive line pushes up to that next guy, the safety. Just left an unblocked player. It was first down. Again, that's a little thing. I don't even know if that's how they coached it. I'm just, I would coach it differently if they, they did coach it that way. Right. But if you did call it wrong, you're going to go back and watch them and be like, what the f- what are, you, what are we doing here? Want to get Terry's head knocked off? Uh, the first interception. It's four verts. He's trying to get a, a ball down the field. They're playing a single high zone look. One safety zone underneath. You can't stare it down. And when I say that, I'm not just saying you can't <laughs> – can't stare it down because you want to like you got to move the safety you got to actually see where the safety goes right that single high safety is cutting logan thomas all day it is almost never that i have seen a pick verts three to one side the inside guy running all the way across the field that that safety gets across the face on the other side of the guy and ends up making a pick like that is a safety that is clearly defined that he is playing logan thomas you work back to the next guy if you're saying you're not staring it down, then there's no way you didn't see that safety because the read is exclusively first off of that safety. Single high coverage. If you want to work the two middle guys, what is the single high safety doing? If he's moving to the crosser, throw the next seam ball. If you don't like the next seam ball, you throw the check down. It's third and long. He was trying to force a ball and he predetermined where he wanted to go with the ball. Everything here, Kevin, told you that the safety is going to cut the crosser. Right. Now, the only way you complete this ball when you predetermine it is to back shoulder Logan Thomas. He threw it out in front and over the top of Logan Thomas. Logan doesn't have that speed or jump ability. Now, I've seen it completed. I've seen it completed. Like, Drew Brees to Jimmy Graham used to get this thing all the time. And they just threw it back shoulder, and Jimmy Graham used to open his hips up and go get it behind the underneath linebacker. It didn't matter too much if the safety cut it. The best thing he was going to do was hit him. So if you're going to throw that ball, you better Drew Brees that ball. Drew Brees that ball. Um, there's an overthrow on a screenplay the very next play. Totally. That's misses. almost an interception. That yeah. that was like horrible. That was like the dad at the carnival that can't win his kid a prize. <laughs> that was such a big miss. That's some of it. It was almost a pick. The safety came down. If the safety sees it, it's a walk-in touchdown pick. Yeah, it's it's the it's the thing that we talked about. It's it's the touch. It, it's really weird that he can't get that ball down to the back. He can't just get it over the top. I mean, it, it wasn't like a wide open look. You got you got to throw that over a defensive lineman. But seriously, the second interception by Dwayne. In all fairness to Dwayne. 
they ran the exact same concept out of a different formation two plays before on first and 10. It was a 10-yard hook on the numbers, a seam clearing the middle of the field, and a flat. Ran it two plays before. It wasn't good two plays before. They went back to it. Also, in all fairness, I think Inman is short on the route, and I think he's too far inside. He's running it from a tight split. You'd like him to get to the outside edge of the numbers and sit that down. That creates a more of a spacing between the seam, who is Logan Thomas, who you're hoping holds the linebacker. You're hoping that seam runs and the linebacker goes, oh, I got to wall, I got to go with this a little bit. And then that hook window's open. Well, the seam didn't hold the linebacker. And ultimately, you just throw the ball back down to the flat. It's a third down, but you don't throw a pick. Right? And this is, again, where it's like there was one route on that side that had the chance to get the first down. It was the 10-yard hook route that was run at eight yards. It was short, and it was too tight inside. And then, if not, you only have the flat to throw to. You still, you just have to throw the flat and survive. That's That would be where Dwayne's like, ah, maybe forcing things. I like throwing the ball down the field, but that was covered. Goodson was all over it. It was Goodson, right? Yeah. It was, second pick? Yeah, Goodson was the second one. Malcolm Smith, the last one. So it's a bad pick. And again, if you want to hold Goodson, this is where this is where it's like some next level. The way we always I've run that play forever. It was one of the first installs in Shanahan and drop back. The seam to Thomas Goodson was the last never, Goodson was the last one. My fault. Yeah, it was I can't remember the who what backer picked it. Yeah. So in just defining this without pictures to anybody. It's three guys to a side. The first guy's running through the middle of the field as a seam. You want him to hold the backer and hold the safety so you can throw the hook. And then you're high-lowing the hook flat. So there's a guy running out into the flat at four yards and a hook at 10 to 12. 10 to 12. Not eight. 10 to 12. The way it was always coached was the seam is read as number one, which means the quarterback has to look at the seam. Now, there were 10 times that I ran this. Well, I personally ran this play where I felt the seam was wide open, wide the fuck open. And I never caught that ball. They never threw it to me I'm like this. I'd go back and sit there. I'm I'm one. Throw it. Right. Logan wasn't open, but if he holds his eyes on number one, the way you should read this play out, the backer who picks it carries the seam. He doesn't get into the hook hole. Dwayne. God, that hook hole is looking hard hard right now he could say i'm trying to send i know i'm not throwing the through or the seam i'm trying to sense the high low but he wasn't he was just looking at him everything about his body language eyes everything he did told any linebacker in the nfl or in the ncaa to go undercut that ball so that's conceptually just not read out properly. Right. And it, to me, it's a pure predetermined look. There's backside pressure on that play, but he didn't feel it. He never even thought about keeping his eyes middle. Or, he never sensed that backside pressure. It's a bad pick. Bad one. Uh, later, first half, there's a scramble play. Oh, excuse me. First play of the second half, there's a scramble play <laughs> to the left. It's a run action pass. Pull up that play. 
And tell uh, me that Inman isn't wide open in the middle I'm of the I'm having field. an issue with my NFL game pass right now. It's not pulling. So uh, it's down right now. Terry McLaurin to his right, and then he's got Inman coming across from the left in the middle of the field, and then he's got another dig behind Inman outside to the left. Right. Terry's covered. He's predetermined that he wanted to go to Terry here. He stays with Terry too long. He cannot get off number one. Now, all that said, he should have thrown Terry. Terry was one-on-one on a go ball, and the safety was flat-footed, and it, it, was, it would have been contested, but he had a one-on-one look to the guy he wanted on a go ball. Should have just thrown it. When you don't throw it, hitch and get to number two. What play, number are, you two talk- what, what play are you talking about? I got it back up. The first play of the second half. It's a scramble play for two yards. Yeah, this it's was the a, this was the three and out to start the second half. It's yeah, it, it's not a massively negative play per se because it's a two yard gain on a scramble, but it should have been a fifteen yard gain to Inman in the middle of the field, or it should have been a shot ball to Terry on the outside. Both are open. Yeah, but I mean that's the, but like, to, that's, to, your, to your original point. He he did once again flush left. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean that was the only scramble left, but there were no there was one up the middle and there was one left. It does not run right. Um, people are wide open all over the field on this play. I actually, this was funny. You can go through next gen stats on NFL and they'll show you run direction for every player. Like up until last week, McKissick had only run the ball left, only left. What, why didn't, why didn't Dwayne on this first play of the second half down 17, seven throw the ball to, is Inman. that who who or lines Terry. who lines up in the slot on the left hand side? Is that Inman? Inman? He's wide open. Nobody covers. That's what him. I'm telling you because he gets stuck on number one. But my problem is, is number one is also open. If he throws it, although there's safety help on McLaurin, They're, the safety's in the middle of the field, flat footed. There, the, the old if you're even, you're leaving concept would apply here. Right. There is no chance that safety gets over the top to make any play on that ball. He's if, held by Inman. If he hits that back foot on the first play of the second half and he throws to his number one read, which is McLaurin, it might be that's a touchdown. Right. Might be a touchdown. I'm going to tell you right now, you got one worst case scenario in my opinion. Well, you, obviously worst case is like batted ball pick, whatever, corner make a great play. But true worst case is incompletion. Take a shot. You took a shot. You got a uh, shot you wanted. Why didn't he take this shot to McLaurin? The safety's flat-footed. Full, the, the safety turns so in the opposite direction to start with. So McLaurin, this is a touchdown. This is a yes, big play. A I don't know. The, I'm telling you, it's worst-case incompletion. But then, if the quarterback just didn't like it for whatever reason, he's going to throw a 15-yarder to Inman. Terry's going to come back and be like, "Bro, you got to throw that ball to me." And he's going to be like, "Yeah, I know. I, I well, I'll look at it." But we got Inman, so we still got a good play. Yeah, but he scrambled left. He scrambled, scrambled left. He scrambled left and off. got two yards. When people scrambled left, you just pissed off three wide open receivers. <laughs> that that play is the most obvious of him not pulling the trigger. Which I don't know. Sometimes I think he he that's not his issue. Like I think he will pull the trigger. He doesn't pull it here. And this is his first read. If he hits that back foot and he throws the ball and he puts air under it, you know, is that Denzel Ward covering him? I mean, he's got one of the best corners in the game on McLaurin, but he's got man coverage with no help. The safety's not going to get there, and you've got a, a legit shot to get a big play. No, right? Nobody, everybody's going to say throw it in that in the team meeting, right? They're going to say you got to throw that. You got to, you seventeen's our best receiver. Throw it, throw it. Let that sucker fly. 
Wow. So you come back, you get you get into a third and two situation where he takes a sack. Yeah. And I'm going to spend some time on this play. Okay. It's two by two, so you got two receivers to the right in the stack set. You got two. You got tight end and receiver left. On the right, you have a receiver running out into the flat. And I'm pretty sure it's Terry. And then you had the next inside receiver stem inside and run a five yard hook or a five yard out route. Pull it up right now. Third and two. I'm watching it. Plant throw. Terry's open in the flat. If you felt that in that man coverage situation that the corner flushed too hard to the flat, that's when you throw the stick, which is also now wide open to Inman for a two-yard gain, a five-yard gain. So if you didn't like the flat, progress to Inman. If you don't like Inman, which he should have, he should have liked the flat, he should have liked the stick, then you progress to number three, which is the tight end with the hook of the ball. First Logan down. Thomas, who's also open. First down. Then if you don't like Logan Thomas, you progress back outside to Sims, who's running a short hook at six yards, just inside the hash, or inside the numbers, who's also open. This is what is called a across-the-board read. You start on one side and you go one, two, three, four, progressively across the board. All the same level throw. This is the easiest for a quarterback to negotiate most situations. This play to any West Coast team, any West Coast team in football, would be called stick spacing. It's run by every team, and it's effective. It's a Bill Walsh play across the board. This, to me, is where you denote the line of not operating as quarterback. You had four receivers open on an across-the-board read. Now, Martin gives up a little pressure, but also keep in mind he's bowled backwards. This is a three-step drop quick game play. This ball is an out-now ball. Martin's in front. He's giving up a little pressure. Shouldn't have pressure here. Ball should have been out. You're you're missing the uh, the two other – I'm not saying you're missing. You haven't mentioned two other opportunities on this play. Is no, that is that McKissick? Is that McKissick? Is that McKissick coming out of the backfield? Be- yeah, that would be number five. Because you could throw to McKissick. He's got one on one to make somebody miss and get a first down. But if he flushes right, he can run easily for the first down. But he does. He never flushes right. And they're playing him. If you look, the DN's crashing inside because he knows he doesn't have to contain Dwayne on the outside running right. Did, did you notice no, I'd, that part? I'd up and under off that Moses side every time. Moses is doing a heck of a job blocking this year, but I'd up and under off that side every time. Every time. I'd up and under, I'd force him left, I'd loop from the backside left, and I'd make him step up into that loop. This is the the the, the play that you've shown. I've got my NFL game pass back up and running, but this is where I could see coaches and players being very frustrated. The The last two plays we've described are two frustrating plays. But this one's hard because everyone's open. And it's third and two, and it's simple to, to move the sticks here. Uh, to anybody. I mean, maybe you throw the flat and he gets hit right at two, and he's got to fall forward or something. It's not a perfect ball. To, but if you don't throw the flat, just throw this number two to Inman, who's running a five-yard out route. Boom, boom, right there, number two. Here we go, right in front of your face. Not number two, boom, right across the ball to number three. Hook over the ball. Logan Thomas is sitting there. Logan Thomas got three yards in front of the linebacker. The linebacker's playing him soft on third and two. I couldn't tell you why. And then, God forbid, if you're progressing one, two, three, four, like you didn't like, didn't like quickly, Sims is wide open on the short hook. And then, worst case, you get your back. 
this is should this should go like boom 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 ball out like out out this is easy this is easy stuff yeah this is like what i would call if i were a play caller in third and two for like my flag football team this is a great play you know, the, so I don't want to belittle. I don't want to belabor. We got, but, num- but number three is right in front of his face too. But this would also coolly. Uh, just one more thing on this play. This would explain, or this would be, I think, an example of what Ron Rivera's talked about the last two days, where he's going, th- he's he's bailing too quickly, and he's going through his reads too quickly, and he's not giving an opportunity because if you look, I mean, it's quick. Everything's quick and people are open, but it's like he wants to move on to something that isn't open rather than, I mean, in this particular play, if he just throws it to McLaurin, it's a move the sticks first down, no brainer. And that's number one. Yeah. Really interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. This isn't a, like, you have to see coverage on one side and say like, what side of the field am I going to work? Like, this is just a read it out as the play progresses play. This is easy. Yep. I, I see what you're saying. Okay. Um, the next drive was a scoring drive, and we went through the, some of the positives on that play. But after a fumbled exchange, which was not his fault, in my opinion, I thought he had great eyes, great vision, great sense for coverage, just missed Terry in the corner um, on a second down in whatever, 15, second 10 play, yeah, something like that, and just missed him. I mean, that sense to – feel underneath coverage suck up and get Terry over the top was awesome. It also led me to get the sense where I told you that I think he's a guy that really feels comfortable running to his left. I also think he feels way more comfortable throwing to his left and feeling coverage to his left. Yeah. I I think in general, consistently he, he's better to the left. He might tell you different. Um, there's a second and 20 that he ends up getting some pressure. It, it's a bad ball, um, but he's sliding into pressure. It, this is one of those things where this would be the next drive where they have a stun on that side. And he's already sliding into that stunt. like just stay in the pocket. And, and so again, like this is pocket technique, pocket feel like you don't have to, if the pocket doesn't tell you to slide left, don't, don't slide left. If, you don't have to, don't like because when you slide in the pressure, then you have to make an awkward throw. Right. Uh, the third and fifteen interception. They're down twenty-four twenty. He ends up throwing in to Inman on a deep hook. Um, he gets pressure in his face, and he's trying to get it out with anticipation and timing. I'm going to tell you right now, like Inman should be over the ball on this hook route. You, you want your inside hook to be create spacing. You had Inman, and then it might be Terry on the next hook just outside of him. They want as much width in between them as possible. I think Inman runs this too vertical. But that said, he's looking at Inman. He's not looking at Goodson. Mm-hmm. Goodson is the zone defender who would be playing in between in between the two hook routes. Yeah. All you look at here is the defender. You don't look at your receivers. If the defender moves with the inside hook, throw the outside hook and vice versa. If the defender stays outside with width, then your inside hook will be open. 
I mean, if he's... normally on this inside hook, the only time I've seen a pick is when the next backer on the other side, further inside, senses it and falls back into the inside hook. I it's rare that you throw a hook a hook defender where Goodson is. It's rare that you see that guy pick it. It's a good play by Goodson, but he's just staring at Inman, and he's trying to get it out before he gets sacked. And so, to me, again, it's like, don't force this ball. If you don't have time to read out Goodson, don't force this ball. This, to me, was one of the – it was similar to two or three of the throws on third down and long to the Philly game where the ball came out so early. It's hard – to get the ball out that early. I mean, Inman was Inman ran three more steps, at least four more steps before he turned around. He wasn't at the sticks yet. You got to let the receiver get closer to the sticks before you throw that ball. And, and it's just not read out properly. He just forced it. Uh, lastly, the sack fumble. Garrett's awesome. Okay, let's let's not get that wrong. But Garrett just took it from him. He had two hands on the ball. I mean, he didn't like this. Two hands on the ball. So here's the way I look at this game for Dwayne Haskins. If you want to massively downgrade turnovers, like if you want to count and and for if this is Aaron Rodgers or this is a if this is a quarterback that's played in the league for five years, I, I do. I want to massively downgrade some of these risk throw turnovers. Then it's an F. If you want to say learning process, understanding things trying to grow, getting the ball down the field a little bit, made some good throws in this game, missed some throws that we'd like to have back on some. Like, it's a D for Dwayne. I'm, I'm giving him a D because I just graded turnovers as one play. Like, on, a, on the way I do it is it's a scale of one to five on every play. I gave a turnover a zero. So you got zero points for one play out of five. It ends up grading out as a D. If you wanted to say a turnover is counted as double, which theoretically you could do, then it would be a little bit different. So it was a D for Dwayne Haskins. Look, ultimately, Kev, I see a guy who's struggling with some accuracy. I think he's struggling with his footwork and his movement in the pocket. I think he continues to throw off his back foot with his hips way too open and out of awkward throwing positions, which, by the way, I understand his arm strength allows him the ability to do. He's capable of getting enough on the ball out of any position. But I think that's hurting his accuracy. And in this particular game, I do think he wanted to get down the, the ball down the field a little bit. And I think he forced a couple throws when he maybe shouldn't force those throws. I think he's predetermining number one way too many times in this game, which means he's staring down number one. And ultimately made some mistakes that if you're reading coverage out, he doesn't make it. Yeah, uh, I I think that the one thing that's clear is when he said on Sunday that he wasn't staring guys down, that's not true. You can see it more than anything in that final interception where he never, never comes off um, Inman and just completely stares him down to the point where the linebacker is just like, you're you're actually going to throw it here. You're looking at me and him, and you're going to throw it here. And he never looked in another direction. And that's why Goodson collapsed so hard on that play. He should have just been staring at the space in between the two receivers because that's essentially what you're doing. You want to feel space. Right. And trust, as all right. Saunders Hask- say, Haskins they'll be, with- where they're, they'll be where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be there. All right, let's, 
Let's rip through uh, skill position players and offensive line right after I tell you about mybookie.ag. Look, the best opportunity to gamble, Cooley, in a while are the next few days. You've got baseball virtually on all day long, baseball playoffs. Today, tomorrow, there are eight baseball games from noon until probably one or two in the morning. Um, I love postseason baseball. It's a great time to wager, and with this new wild card, best two out of three setup, it's going to be incredible. Right now, also, my bookie's got a $100,000 super contest for only a $10 entry, and they're giving away $5,000 in cash prizes every four weeks. You'd be crazy not to sign up at mybookie.ag right now. Now, $10 could win you thousands. You can sign up at my booking using my promo code, KevinDC, to claim your 100% deposit match all the way up to $1,000. That means if you put in $100, they'll give you another $100. It's an easy way to jumpstart your bankroll. NFL, NBA, MLB playoffs right now. They've got it all at mybookie.ag. All right, uh, let's get to the skill position players. Dwayne's grade was a D. Here we go, Cav, the skill players. We're going to rip through per your request, but it's also on you because you got to let me rip through them, man. You got it. I mean, you struggle with that well, in, a, in a big way. I like to call. I like to use my timeouts. You do. You want to? You want to say you have three timeouts here? No, I don't. The first half. The first half will be the skill players. The second half will be the offensive line. We'll give you three timeouts in each half. I don't want three timeouts. I'll take one timeout per half. Okay, well, if you need to save time at the end of the half, then don't be afraid to use I'll it. save my questions for the end. Okay. Terry McLaurin. The positives is, is what everybody sees from, from Terry. Okay, His subtle yet explosive run after the catch is, is awesome. I mean, you see it consistently in every single game. His, his yards after the catch are amazing. There's a slip screen that he has in the second half, and it's just like boop, 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 up the field. He's got it, man. You got to get Terry more touches to me. Like you got to get him more touches in and around the line of scrimmage. Had the fly sweep that he ends up getting the first down. I mean, he's just he's just got a burst to him. Uh, great ball adjustment on a quick out. Uh, run after the catch is explosive. Fly sweep, I said, huge. Um, third and ten, he's running a little crosser out. Got a great pick from Logan Thomas immediately up the field, gaining ground on his crosser. Good catch in stride up the field. It's a big time. Uh, I thought the OPI call on Terry went through is an absolute insanity. To me, that was a hell of a route and a big-time play in the game. So, bullcrap there. Uh, the bust early in a third and 15, he runs behind the corner on a slant route. Uh, no one's going to count this or understand this as a bust if you don't understand this actual concept. To me, you go behind the corner and you're just you're doing two things. You're begging the quarterback not to throw you the ball or you're asking the quarterback to throw a potential interception. That was That, that was a missed assignment. If I'm coaching that ball club, it was. Okay. It is what it is. Um, I think he's got the explosiveness to get down the field, but I, I'm not sure if he lacks that true. Like, this was one of those games where I keep saying, like, Terry's a Z, not an X, which would make him, in theory, the two receiver. They're both ones, but he's a Z, not an X. Like, one of the first plays of the game, Dwayne takes a shot over the top. It's a hook and go. Like, he's trying to hook and go. He doesn't have that patience on some of those double moves. He kind of stutters and turn rotates his hips back a little bit, but the corner never bites. Like you've got to find ways to get down the field and separate. Like he doesn't have that true inline explosive speed to just run by guys on seam balls, which 
we've talked about the one that the first play of the second half where you could have thrown it, but he's not by the corner. Like he's not running by the corner. Right. So he is a route runner. He doesn't necessarily, and in this game, especially it was Denzel Ward. I get it, but have that knack to just run by somebody. And he doesn't have that. It's a run action, double move kind of really sell it and create true separation. His separation is subtle and he's quick out of his breaks, especially on the underneath stuff, but some of his down the field stuff, it's like, we, we need to be more open if we want to be the true X. I still think he's, I think he's awesome. Um, he was a B in this game. I, I, I just want to mention this really quick. I, you'd have to look up the receivers coach. I thought every one of these receivers blocked their ass off all game. Okay. I, I did. I thought downfield screens, run plays. I thought they did a great job blocking. So a big compliment to that group and to that position coach for get, having their guys get after it. They, they looked out for each other. I thought they stayed on DBs. I thought they blocked well. And I'm saying that as I get to Inman because I literally – Jim Hostler is the wide receivers coach. Jim Hostler. Good job, Tim Hostler. Jim. Good job. I gave Inman like the, the phony – I've never given this before – hard hat award. Uh, what is that? Because he had a couple big-time touchdown catches, but I thought he blocked his balls off. So I was impressed by Inman's ability to get on DBs and stay on DBs in a lot of different situations. Um, the one of the first little bubbles to to write, he had a pancake block on a DB. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm counting that in the film breakdown. Nice. I'm writing that down. Uh, the first touchdown, it's a good job on a dig to go up and get a high ball. I thought the penalty was egregious. I know that he flexed on the dude, but Harrison or uh, Sandejo hit him late. Uh, to me, that's an offsetting, if anything. The double route on the touchdown, the second touchdown, like the hard stick to the corner and then staying skinny to the post, giving a good window to, to Dwayne. That was a really good route. Like To me, I want to run that concept a lot of ways, especially in the red zone. It's a great red zone concept. I would pull that clip and i would coach off of that that that's it was a really good job um some of the negatives from inman the interception thrown at inman the first one the first interception i I thought he was short on the route and i thought he was too tight on the inside on the route i didn't think he had patience to press it deep uh we're trying to high low a defender you got to get enough width and depth it's all about zone and spacing in there and he did not have enough width or depth now theoretically the quarterback just shouldn't throw the ball but not a good route the second interception i thought poor route distribution i'm gonna say that because that's how i would say it i think you need to be further inside on the inside hook route to the sticks but they might coach it on the hash so you know i don't know exactly what they're doing um and then late in the game this is almost forgotten but he had a fumble that sims recovered right Inman played 45 plays he was a b plus Sims Jr. played 23 plays. I have one note. Great fumble recovery in the fourth quarter sure. on the Inman fumble. Yeah. I don't know how Sims doesn't get more balls or more looks. Uh, he was unnoticed in this game. I did not grade Sims. I don't. He's a C. It wasn't bad. It wasn't good. He was out there for 23 plays. So a plays. C, not a no grade. Yeah. I mean, give him a C. You know, or you don't show up. We can give him you an incomplete. No, it's not incomplete. You don't show up good or bad, and it's a C. Okay. I did. I actually had one note on Sims Jr. from special teams from actually watching the game live. I don't know if he has a great sense for punt returns. No, I don't either. There was one that he let bounce. There's one. I, I, he's not 
I think he's more explosive as a runner in the open field, but he, he had an okay return in the second half. But I, I'm just – fumble last week on a return. Like, I'm not sure on Sims on returns just yet. I'm not sure. It was, it's just funny because there are certain things that he does that other players can't do, but there were things like when Trey Quinn was in there last year, all the plays that he wouldn't let bounce or all the little things, the subtle little things, running away from the ball instead of – instead of catching it on the seven on a fair catch, like lure defenders away from you there. So they can't down it. Right. Like they're just little subtle things that I think he has to learn. Got it. Now he's a better once the ball's in his hands than Quinn that we're not going to debate that in any way, shape or form, but it's just some of the situational stuff. I'm it's in question a bit. Uh, right. Right. Stepped in and had some plays. I, I mean, who is right? Isaiah, right. Isaiah, right. Where's number 83 he played 29 plays in this game. Yeah, he did had quite a few touches as well. Right. Did a um, couple of those little bubble plays that he had. I thought he did a pretty good job running with the ball in his hands, a reverse where he makes a guy miss good job. Uh, by, by right on the edge there, that play was called back. That was crap. Uh, the bat on right. Uh, the first interception or the first near interception by Ward, shitty route, gets walled inside, takes way too long getting down the field, and Dwayne's got to come off of it, but not good route. That said, heck of a job to save the play. Yeah, he did save it. Heck heck of a job to stay with it. Uh, and then a catch out of bounds on the touchdown drive in the third quarter. He, he, he's initially in a fly sweep motion, and then he's arcing towards the sideline. As you're drifting to, towards the sideline, you damn well better know where the sideline is. Um, right was a... C-plus in this game. Logan Thomas, 55 plays. Made a couple good catches in this game. Contested catch early on an RPO throw, one of the first plays of the game. Just a little nudge to create some separation. Nice using his body. Nice contested. Terry McLaurin on a third and ten. Heck of a pick to get Terry open on a shallow cross. A third and eight. Two plays back-to-back were huge. The third and eight on the stick route by Logan Thomas to get them down to a fourth and three. Really good job getting depth on the stick route, but then coming back downhill friendly to the quarterback to allow him a window to throw the football. And then staying with it on the fourth down play was huge. Uh, and then last positive, that catch on third and 12 was a good job by Logan Thomas. It's not huge separation, but it's a good speed cut break out of the top. It's good getting depth on that corner route to make sure that you're getting the first down. And that was a huge play, diving out there to give them a chance to stay in that ball game. Great, great catch. Uh, he had a drop on a second and 15. It was a bad ball on the back hip. We didn't talk about this with Dwayne. It wasn't, it had enough negative. Um, is it on his back hip? It still hit his hands. You got to come up with that thing. It, second 15 can get you to third and 10. Even if you just come up with that, that would be big. And then he dropped a little quick out route on a first and 10 late in the ball game. It was contested, but dropped it. Um, Logan's like one of those guys that's, on guys in the run game he's just not winning blocks in the run game he's not necessarily losing or he's not necessarily getting his ass kicked it's also interesting like they run the ball like a college team more time than not they so many plays out of gun so many yeah. plays where the tight end really has no impact in the run game logan thomas was a c plus in this game logan's just one of those guys that can't win one-on-one he did on the third and 12 but to me he's just one of those guys that just doesn't have a natural separation ability like the change of speed, the subtleness, none of that stuff's there yet for Logan Thomas. It, when it's not there yet, it's, it, it's not going to be there. You know exactly what he is. He's a guy that can stretch the field a little bit. 
You know, you'd love to see on the interception down the field to Logan Thomas that the ball give Logan a chance to open his hips and go up and get that thing. But, you know, you'd love to see a couple more of those. Uh, I still think he's learning the game. I do. I still think he's learning to play tight end in this league. But right now, he's doing he's doing a good enough job for them to have a chance. Right. McKissick. I, I really do like McKissick. I suggested to you last week after the film breakdown and again on Friday that they get the running backs more involved in third down situations. He had two big catches in third down situations. A little stick route early in the game. Great separation, good run after the catch. Like Dynamic backs are super important to me, and I see McKissick as a dynamic back. Good blitz pickups throughout the game. At times, having to come all the way across the formation, get blitzers off the side he's not on. I thought he was consistent in that. Third and six, he runs a little crossing route. Get a big finish after the play, does a really good job. He's just, to me, he's shifty between the tackles when he's running the ball. He's a good receiver from any spot. I think you got to get McKissick. More touches, Kev. To me, that's that's the thing with McKissick is, like, are we going to vary touches in any given way, or are we going to say a running back's a running back? That that's kind of where I'm sitting here looking at this thing because I I just don't think that one of your better players is going to end up with five carries for 15 yards and what three catches, right? Four targets. I like, agree. I think, I think McKissick's got to be more involved in the game plan. Because I think right now he's as reliable as a player as anybody offensively besides Terry. And, and they're right there, hand-in-hand, hand, as reliable players for this team. Um, and I, I noted just again, like, there's a first and 20 after the Terry OPI. It's a five-yard gain out of nothing by McKissick. It was a poorly blocked play. It was tough against the front that they were in. And he gets five yards. Like, for a little guy, he can make something out of nothing. So I like McKissick. I thought McKissick was an A-minus in this game. Uh, Gibson. Gibson's got some flashes, man. Like when he gets the ball in his hands, he's got some power to him. He's you, you a get him, physical runner. You get him downhill in between the tackles, and he can make some plays. Like to me, he's got a pretty good sense inside. Um, I did note like one of the first inside zones, you can push a hole, have a little bit more patience. And I think I've noted this a couple times early from Gibson that maybe last week. He could have cut it back when he pushed too hard outside. This week early could have probably pushed harder outside than cut back. But then as the game progresses, it's like he does start to get a pretty good feel. thought the touchdown run from three yards out was really awesome. I did. Uh, I thought jump cut at the end of the first half. He makes two miss. He bounces out nine yards above what I think would be expected. Another good play on the end of the at the end of the first half that ends up resulting in a fumble. Not not the best but you see some bursts from him with his ability to just hit it up in there a third and four late in the game uh, where he gets great interior push he gets behind his offensive line he runs with power um my question for gibson is when he gets out lateral a little bit can he make a guy miss one-on-one -on -one? like at times you'd like to see him be able to make a guy miss he gets out to that sideline and he, he almost always cuts back immediately You'd like to see him have a little bit more patience as a receiver. Did a better job catching the ball. There was one thrown way out in front of him that he ended up going down and catching, getting a four-yard gain out of nothing. Uh, the the other negative, the fumbled handoff could have been a disaster, and I think that is on Gibson right there. Oh, you thought that was that, on Gibson? I do. I do think it was on Gibson. That's between Dwayne and Gibson on exactly what happened there, but I thought, I thought Gibson, like to me, ensure the handoff. You know what I'm saying? You just looked like Dwayne stuck it in there and just dropped it. Yeah, that's 
Yeah, I, but don't right, you have to wait till there's right some, in there and it, yeah. and it didn't stick. Okay. Uh, I thought Gibson was a C plus in this game. He, he ended up having nine carries for 49 yards. Yeah. Touchdown, rushing the ball. You know, he had three receptions on three targets for 11 yards. I, again, I would love to see Gibson played receiver at Memphis a lot. Gibson can run some routes. I would love to see some like third down, three receivers. You got McKissick and Gibson in the backfield. Utilize one of them in motion and one of them on an option route out of the backfield, and one of them running a real route, getting in and out of the backfield. I think there's more two back sets with these guys that they just they could get to and they haven't got to. Like to me, I would rather have McKissick and Gibson in the game than Bach. Like, I would rather add one of those players than put Ba or Sprinkle on the field. Right. Th- that's just me. I think some dynamic runs where you could go with, with some misdirection, like fake inside to Gibson, counter to McKissick. I think that there's some creativity that they're lacking with those two backs. Now, I'm saying that I do believe that Turner did a pretty good job managing the game plan. But I do think if you want to say, who are your five best players right now? I think you say Terry McLaurin. And then McKissick, and then probably Gibson Inman at three four. Well, your goal is to have your five best players on the field. So find yeah, ways to get Gibson, the five best yeah, players. Gibson and McKissick, they they'll they'll spread McKissick out. But more, they don't play more than the Gibson. They're rarely on the field at the same time, unless they're in the backfield at the same time. Which but they, they're rarely. Yeah. I mean, how many? I didn't count plays that they were in the backfield at the same time, but how many plays were on the, they on the field at the same time? I don't know. I think the most they were on the, the field in the backfield at the same time may have been in week one. Yeah. So Gibson ends up with 25 total plays. McKissick ends up with 34 total plays. You ran 64 total plays. Right. Just a thought on that is all it is. Um, Gandy Golden played 18 plays. Quickly, the fly sweep was pretty awesome. If you watch that fly sweep, what was again, Gibson's though, grade? I'm sorry, Gibson was a C plus in this game. Okay, I just two two potential a turnover and another real potential turnover. Backs can't turn the ball. Backs can't put the ball on the ground. Gandy Golden, eighteen plays. This will be quick. A couple good blocks. He had a drop on a bootleg in the third quarter. Um, he's not supposed to drop the ball. Right, he's supposed to have like great hands. He's not a great, Murray's. not a great throw though. Yeah, it was. It was a good throw. It was right out in front of. Oh, him, I'm, th- right, I'm right talking right about the one that was super low that that got caught and then got overturned. My fault. No, I thought it was a good throw. Okay, I actually didn't note that in Dwayne. I that ball's got to be caught. That ball, if he just reaches out and grabs it, that we're gonna say good throw. I, it was out in front of him by a foot and maybe a half a foot low. Really, Dwayne rolling right, awkward looking throw, but ah, that's a catch. That's a, that to me. That's a that's a pure drop. Dwayne did have th- maybe three drops in this game. Um, the play I just thought was funny. The fly sweep. I love the fly sweep to Gandy Golden. It ends up being a big play. Yeah, twenty yards. About ten yard, ten twelve yards downfield and starts stiff arming air. Pulls the stiff arm down. It just gets blown up. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> if you watch that play, if you want to go back and watch that play, about twelve yards downfield, his right arm. He's stiff arming no one. Like, ah, come on, come on. Then he kind of pulls it down and bam, takes a shot on the sideline. Um, Gandy Golden was a C in this game. Sprinkle played six plays. The couple plays he was in, he was better. Uh, six plays doesn't end up getting a grade. I'm not going to grade Ba either. Really nothing to say with Ba or Sprinkle, but nothing negative either. You ready for the offensive line? I am. Okay. 
this is easy for people to do. I want everyone to know this is easy for people to do when a quarterback throws picks and when quarterback's not playing well, say it's the offensive line's fault, especially when the offensive line consists of guys like Jerome Christian, Wes Martin, Wes Schweitzer, and Chase Ruye. It is easy to do to say that they didn't play good, play well. They did as a group. To me, there was only seven total pressures in this ball game. When they ran the ball, I thought there was some good push up front. There were some good things that they did up front. Uh, let's start with Christian. The negatives, still too soft on the edge as a run blocker at his side. Go. Like, you're athletic. Go. You got to go. He's sizing it up too much. A little bit too soft. And he'll turn his ass immediately in the hole when it's his side. Now, also keep in mind a couple of these with Christian. Like, you should almost grade this on a curve because a lot of it was Miles Garrett. Like, of course. If you get a C plus and it's Miles Garrett, it's really an A minus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you can give him the A minus, uh, but you go ahead. You can the third and five gave him a sack curve. to the to the dude, the dude, on a no chance play. There was a third and five sack that Dwayne had to pull it down. Nobody opened. Uh, yeah, that was just that that one sack that Garrett got. That was that was a no chance play. Um, third and fifteen, the interception by Dwayne on third and fifteen. It's a short edge, gives up a quarterback hit, gives up the sack fumble late. I wanted to note one thing, though, and this goes back to kind of my initial comment the, uh, with offensive line and quarterback. The first play of the second half, we, we went through this a bunch of times where it's a run action pass and Dwayne could have hit Terry and then could have hit Inman. Go back and watch this play. It, Garrett ends up really bull rushing Christian back a little bit. But Christian stays with this block. He gets himself square, and he stays with it throughout the entire play, and he doesn't hold, and he at least allows a scramble around the edge for two yards. It's not awesome immediately, but this is Miles Garrett, and he stayed with the play all day. There were so many plays that Christian gets pushed back three or four yards by Garrett, but he's with the block. Yeah. Like, this was not a game that Miles Garrett took over. Right. Miles Garrett did not win the Cleveland Browns this game. And when you say that's the best player on the field for Cleveland, you didn't see it. When you watch film, this would not be a game that Miles Garrett would send in to anybody. I'm not saying that Garrett didn't play well, but I'm saying that Christian and Moses, when they had to block him, did a pretty good job. Like you give up two or three pressures or three pressures. Uh, ultimately, I guess it would be two sacks because one we pulled the jersey down on Dwayne, where right. Dwayne tried to, to flush up, but give up a I thought Christian played pretty well I, I mean I, I graded him a C plus but it was Miles Garrett so take it with a grain of salt um Wes Martin in this ball game was a B minus Wes is a pretty consistent player I'd like to see Wes again like I mentioned Christian in the run game go a little bit faster I mean it's like slow ensure make sure I'm good okay we'll take off uh, Wes Martin also had his hands full. Like Ogan Joby's a really, really explosive big time player inside. Good player. Good player. Um, there was one play where Ogan Joby ends up getting a five yard tackle for loss. And it looks like he just, I mean, obviously he did blow up Ruye, but they're double teaming Ogan Joby right there. And Wes Martin, like we always joke, well, this was the joke. When you, Wes Martin's supposed to post with his right arm, Ogan Joby's just inside of him. Wes is obviously on the left. You're supposed to post, turn that guy's shoulder and hand him off to the guy coming, which would be the center, so you give him a chance. What you're not supposed to do is throw a limp dick out there. And that's what he <laughs> that did. Would be, don't throw a limp dick out there. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's what he it sounds said. like a bugle. So, that sounds like, like a bugle thing. Like root, root, it, it, you know what? It probably was. Hey, come on, stud! Come on, stud! <laughs> uh, don't 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 throw don't, don't throw a limp dick out there, stud! Come on, come on, now, hoss. <laughs> <laughs> the great late uh, Joe Bugle. Uh, the penalty on Martin, I'm we're not even gonna say it was a penalty right. because. It wasn't. People are going to downgrade him for that, but we're not even going to say that was a penalty. It, it just—it's not a penalty. Uh, and, and again, consistently, although getting bowed back sometimes and allowing some pressures, found a way to stay square and stay in front of his guy. Chase Ruye, as a pass defender, awesome in this game. I thought Ruye did a really good job, not giving up pressure, helping where he needed to help on the interior. I think he's a pretty good run run block player. It's he's he's never going to be a guy that blows people off the ball. But when you look across the league, there's not a ton of centers that are going to be guys that just blow people up. The centers are usually in this league, other than the best five guards that converted because they didn't have the power at guard. That, that's Ruye. He's consistent at center. I thought Ruye was a B in this ball game, which takes me over to Wes Schweitzer. Uh, Schweitzer has some plays. Schweitzer's got a little bit of a mean streak to him, and he's got some toughness to him. He's just got slow feet. A um, couple of couple plays in this game, you're like, Wes Schweitzer getting after it, man. But then lose blocks late. With, with Schweitzer in this game and some of the last game, I'd say finish blocks a little bit better. Uh, to me, again, pretty good in the pretty good in the pass game. I, I thought Schweitzer did a pretty good job in the in the pass game. He was more effectful, effective as a run blocker. Um, but not bad in the past game. It's just slow feet. So, like, you get a stunt to his side, and he's so there's a D tackle over the top of Schweitzer, and that tackle right over him goes outside towards Mo- Moses. His job is to hand him off to Moses, but then flatten out and stay square so the defensive end looping back can't get inside penetration. He knows what he's doing. His feet are just not quick enough to pass it back off, so he gives up a couple interior pressures in the ballgame. Um, I thought Schweitzer was – to me, like an A, A minus in the run game, a C plus in the pass game. I gave him a B minus in this game. Okay. And then lastly, Morgan Moses. Yeah. Uh, Morgan Moses is as good as anybody in this game. I really, it's it's nice when you go through a game and you go through your notes and I, you go through Morgan Moses and I'm like, other than a couple pressures by the dude, I think you know who I mean. Garrett consistent sustain consistent stay square in the run game consistent finishing blocks no penalties it's not holding he looks like a great right tackle right now i thought morgan moses was an a well you, you've given him i was just looking at the grades week one you gave mate moses an a minus last week you gave him a b plus um, but he was the highest um, graded offensive lineman, and this week you've got him at an A. The the high. I mean, you really like the season Moses is having so far. And, and now everybody, keep in mind, like last season, Moses was consistently my lowest graded offensive. He was lineman. also banged up consistently all last year. And I was concerned about his hip this week and missing a little bit of practice, and if they were going to bring Miles Garrett off his side a ton. I think I remember telling you though, like Miles Garrett will rush anywhere, and they normally try to put Miles Garrett on the weakest link. And so they did. There was not a ton of rushes by Garrett over Moses. There was plenty. Right. You just don't like. It's really nice to finish a play when you're watching film and just see a guy on a guy. 
especially in the past game. Like, oh, he's on his guy. Cool. All right, highest highest graded players um, offensively: Moses in A, McKissick in A minus. Uh, I have one question, just one, as a follow. By the way, this. no timeouts on your part. I really I, good. Job. I really wanted you to get through it without major interruptions. But I think your your um, discussion about Terry McLaurin was very interesting, and I, I I went back and looked at a couple of the deep shots, and you really are so spot on. It's a, it's a very very interesting observation because I think most of our fans believe that Terry McLaurin is an A plus receiver, like he could he could potentially be an elite receiver. And what you said seems to be true when when I'm watching it, and I even went back and. and watched some plays last week and the week before even on the ball that I thought he could catch last week on the deep shot down the near sideline he does not get on deep balls in in the long game in the deep game he does not get great separation you know he's got never four, almost never yeah he's got four three speed or at least that's what his 40 time was coming out of Ohio State but he's not where a corner is like so fearful that he's going to run by a corner and get great separation. Where he gets great separation are in some of these matchups where they worked him in the slot against a linebacker and, you know, and, and in some of the crossing routes, which, you know, there's some stuff going on there. There's some traffic, you know, and he gets lost there. And I think, by the way, after he has the ball in his hands, and I mentioned this yesterday, I think there's a real effortless um, way in which he runs after the catch that I, I really enjoy. Like it's not electrifying, but it is production. Like he's pulling away from people. He's making people miss. But as a deep receiver, just a straight nine route, as as you might say, he doesn't look. He's got Denzel Ward on him. He's got a great corner on him. But I went back last week. He's not getting like incredible separation. However, remember last year, early in the year when Case Keenum was quarterbacking. Think about the opener. How much separation he created on deep balls against the Eagles in the opener. So I guess that would be an argument to say, well, you can get him deep, um, and he will get separation deep, but. I don't know what the difference is. If you go through this year, it's not like in the on these long throws to McLaurin. McLaurin's like wide open and has created a ton of separation. Now, it could be because the last two weeks, Denzel Ward and Patrick Peterson. That could be the reason for that. And safety help. And, and safety and, help. And attention, which which is one of those things where it's like maybe – so you, you, you really talk about like is Terry an X or a Z? What is he? And a Z like Terry's as good a Z as it gets in this league. If there's an X who scares people, so <laughs> I'm I'm not saying anything truly negative about Terry when I when I say this. I just don't know if he's a guy that consistently can get over the top. I also don't know if he tracks the ball as well as a lot of people down the field. Like, yeah, look um, at a couple games ago where he had that Dwayne threw a great ball and over his shoulder outside, and it's like. There are guys that just always come up with that ball. I'm just I'm just going back to the Philadelphia game. So in three games, he has faced Slay, he's faced Peterson, and he's faced Denzel Ward much of the time. The plays in which he's getting big plays on, I, I, I haven't audited every single catch. But I know from Sunday there were some really good matchups that Turner created with formation. You mentioned yep. em- empty set and him in the slot where you know they got a linebacker over him. Um, and, you know, we have not seen yet, correct me if I'm wrong, have we seen a big 40-plus yard McLaurin catch this year? 
I'm talking about deep downfield. Well, have we seen any? <laughs> uh, yeah. He had a 30. 33- no, I mean, not, not in a rude way. Like, I don't know if we've seen any deep downfield catches by this team at all, anything over 25 yards. So, no, I don't think we have seen a deep catch. I, I mean, it's just the, the other thing that to me speaks to it a little bit is in almost every game, there's a point where you sit there as a general fan and go, they have to double him. They got to do something here. Out of three weeks in a row, nobody's doubled him. Right. Because they don't fear him getting over the top. They're saying he's going to catch a seven yard slant. We got it. We have to tackle. It's yeah. not, we can't cover this guy. It's we have to tackle this guy. Yeah. So to me, that's a Z. Right. Um, and Terry is a Z that could be like CD Lamb or um, whatever in Dallas where you have any you have any week where you could have nine receptions for 180 yards. And if it's Terry, you'd have 90 of them after the catch. But you need the X. They knew that. They tried to get that. Yeah, they tried to get Amari Cooper. That's it's it's a great point. It's why they offered Amari Cooper an outrageous sum of money because they view Terry more as a Z, not an X. They they for those that don't know, they view him more as a number as a great number two, not a not an elite number one. It doesn't mean that right. he can't have elite games, and it doesn't mean that, that he's not a really good player because he is. But in watching, Cooley's right. There's not a lot of concentration on doubling him. There's not a lot of fear of him beating you over the top. I'm trying to go back and find the game, the Eagles game last year from the opener. That's when. Now, I'm not suggesting that he won't get over the top right. in this season. It's, gonna, it's just you're not going to see him over the top five times in a game wide open. Yeah, that, that, and that's just not who he is. And that again, like, please don't construe this as we neither Kevin and I, like, we both think he's a great player, and he's the best weapon you have on offense. It's just what is he if you had a true X? Because like, now Terry becomes a massive problem for defenses. Oh man, well, I... he also becomes easier to get matchups. And so you said the Philly game. I think it was the Philly game at home where he got over the top too for a huge play. Um, it's a third round rookie receiver at that point. At this point, it's Terry McLaurin, the best weapon that Washington has. Yeah. So and, and let's one again corner, our one corner will will always cover it. And let's not Just, minimize Darius Slay, Patrick Peterson, Denzel Ward in the first three weeks. And look at his stats on that. Yeah, pretty damn impressive. No, pretty damn impressive. It's just look at his run after the catch stats, and yeah. that's where all his yards. Yeah, and then this week, obviously a really good defense, and he's gonna he's gonna face uh, uh, either Marcus Peters or Marlon Humphrey, both really good corners. Um, so it's it's gonna be a while, it would appear, before he gets like a matchup where somebody can't run with him, right? Because it's who do they play after the uh, the Ravens? Do they play the Rams after the Ravens? So he'll have Jalen Ramsey after that. I mean, seriously, they've started with some teams with some really good corners. All right, great job. Uh, Defensive film breakdown tomorrow. Everybody have a great day.